tell me, what do you do with witches? <laughs> and what do you ban apart from witches? More witches! Good. So, why do witches burn? Because they're made of wood. Good. <laughs> so, how do we tell whether she is made of wood? Build a bridge out of her. Ah, but can you not also make bridges out of stone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah cool. uh, uh, does a wood sink in water? No, no. no it floats. It floats. Throw her into the pond. <laughs> what also floats in water? Bread. Apples. Uh, very small rocks. Cider. A great gravy. Cherries. Mud. A churches. Churches. Lead. Lead. A duck. <laughs> exactly. So, logically, if she weighs the same as a duck, she's made of wood. And therefore... A witch! A witch! A And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that logically does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. And I'm Georgia. Hey, I was sitting there going, if we have to redo that at all, that's like a minute 50. (laughs) That's such a long pause. It's it's so difficult because I'm like, it's the scene I wanted to do. And I'm like, what, what don't you include? Exactly, and if you cut down the pause, you cut down the comedy. Yeah, because the, the, the pause is the, the pause is where is, is where is where the humor is. There, yeah, as they yeah. all as the actors try not to corpse up, as yeah. we'll find out. So that's I'm looking at my notes. Like somehow they're going to be of any use. Uh, <laughs> pages one to six would not print. So nope. we're I'm kind of flying. Well, not by seeing my pants. I mean, I've got I've got notes in front of me via computer, but I'm multitasking a slight bit more than usual. But that's okay. Uh, welcome to best film ever. This is episode eighty one. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So, uh, let's just power. <laughs> We've lost. Oh, you see there? We've got Ellie back. I didn't go anywhere. Oh, you may have to move considerably because you warned us your internet wasn't great. So, I think you were still. And I assumed, <laughs> therefore, but the lag was real. <laughs> She's a mannequin. So, we may have to do some She's sort of. Waving the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those rooms. You, I have a room. I, like, the rooms at work are like this. If you stay still, like the lights will turn out on you. It's like, <laughs> don't let the lights turn out on me. And you have to, like, kind of wave my arm and be like, no, I'm still, I'm still working here. The worst situation is if you're in a toilet and it's got one of those lights yeah. on it and it just goes out. Like, no. Oh, yeah i have a desk uh, i have an office right and sometimes uh, you know you don't really walk around a whole lot when you're doing that so if you're just busy at your laptop doing work and the light turns off you're like this feels like it's counterintuitive to what my job is yeah if i was doing something more manual I had to walk around and do things i get the light <laughs> i don't know so uh, let's talk all around the world spread the word see what where we've been heard where we've charted yeah. today. Uh, this week, we have charted in America. Oh, nice. Uh, we have charted in Australia. G'day. Germany. 
Spain, Denmark, uh, India, Singapore, Israel, Finland, the Ukraine, Taiwan, Nigeria, Pakistan. We are number 36 in Malaysia. We are number 24 in Ghana. We are number 54 here at home in the UK. Number 59 in Canada. Canada. Uh, We are number 31 in Switzerland. We are number 7 in Paraguay. Number 5 in Uganda. Number 4 in the Netherlands. Cool. And number two in South Korea. Wow. <laughs> That's number 10 on all TV and film. So thank you wherever you are around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Much. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome. I know. Much <laughs> obliged, they might have said in this film. Much obliged. Much obliged. So, uh, okay, it's just a general thank you. To anybody who's heard us. And then here's the things you may have heard recently. Let me just promo some stuff up. Uh, Last week, we did The Notebook, which we'll talk a little bit more about in just a second. Um, We did a real roundtable on sports. It's doing very well. Yeah, very well. Glad to hear that. A lot of people had a lot of investment in that one. Also, a a great variety. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, on that note, on sports, I'm here to say that we run a fantasy football league here at Best Film Ever. We're looking for one or two more spots this year. Yeah. One or two more spots. Peeps who are interested in playing, just interested in playing every week, you can show up, you can set a lineup. We're not super pros. Nope. Far from it. Uh, I mean, one of us is, and, and then and then Liam, Ellie, Alex from Mainstream <laughs> Finance is back to defend his crown. All these things, but we have one or two more spots available. If you're interested, just get a hold of us. PM me, do something. Uh, that's at Best Film Ever Pod. Let us know if we have lots. We'll put names in a hat or something like that. Yeah, but we're looking for two spots. And the only thing we ask is that it, it will be cool. To like, hey, I want to be in the league with you guys. As long as you'll set your lineup, that's really my big thing. Yeah, just promise you'll set your lineup. That way, it's fun for everybody. Hey, so, if, if I can get into it, anybody can. Yeah, I was really impressed for you last year yeah, see to, to use if anybody's out there and knows of the league which was a uh, a sitcom a semi-improvised sitcom on fx about fantasy football i thought liam would be our taco <laughs> speaking of, and by taco he's just the guy who like was like you know just never set his line up was just there, you know <laughs> what what the season's on he was that guy right yeah, yeah, yeah. uh so i thought you might be that but no you're actually you're actually quite up there well, especially at the end you came on strong in the second half yeah i did deny it That's it takes I, about a year to learn i started moving people around and you started did? thinking oh started maybe should, trades yeah, yeah, yeah. Field, picks people up I was, yeah. so if you want to be part of all that fun times i mean you know four members of the bfe versus six podcasts from around the world we'd like to play with people who we who we interact with people yeah. who we know and we will probably name drop everybody who we're playing each week so a little free camaraderie how about that so oh, uh, well, i'll tell you what i did see the other day what did you see the other day i saw somebody wearing a jersey with mayfield on the back baker mayfield yeah there you go how cool is it? I, I, sh- I showed it out the window did you <laughs> i like your shirt i was like baker baker <laughs> i was even though i said mayfield i was out for lunch yesterday um at one of the local weatherspoons yeah and uh i guess some a group of guys must have been doing their fantasy football draft because they were all dressed in like jerseys yeah and i was like i just couldn't help but look at them i'm like i just kind of want to know what they're talking about <laughs> are, are they just because they're all first of all the, oh, they're all british <laughs> I did a little bit of a hmm. And I started looking at their jerseys going, that guy don't play for them anymore. And that guy's retired. And uh, <laughs> it's time for some new shirts, boys. But Who's, uh, this, who's this Joe Montana guy? Yeah, who's Joe Montana? <laughs> some young upstart. When can I draft him? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we are recording. Right after this, we're doing the BF email bag. So if you've submitted questions, thank you so much. That will be dropping on Friday. Friday. So there we go. Uh, and next, if you're already out there, next month, we're already recruiting for next month's Real Roundtable. Top five Tom Hanks movies, please. Mm. Top five Tom Hanks. Be sure to include the hashtag BFE Top Five. Top five Icky Man. 
<laughs> Can we make just, that hashtag? Just, no, as just well? give me one hashtag to follow, please, please. So, uh, time for some reflections and corrections. So, we'll think about the uh, episodes we did last week and think about how they went. Uh, notebook went well. Notebook yeah, went well, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was it was an app. I'm trying to think if there's anything especially. Well, there's a few things came out of it that we can talk about. Um, and then also the mailbag, uh, the mailbag, the the real roundtable. Uh, first off, I said last week how we were stuck at 100 episodes you could download on anything. Anything else, you had to go to the archives. Yes. I have fixed that. Oh, hey. how did you do that? I had to go into Podbean and trade. change some settings. So on our RSS feed, very technical. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're just mastering how to send a tweet. It's a little bit above you right now. But no, but I did. So we're good for, for 300. So we should be good for another year and a bit until we have to start talking about the archives again. At which point I'm hoping oh, okay. they'll bump that that limit to even more than 300. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. We are Sparta. We all have to say that. <laughs> um, so, uh, I gotta push this button of my own volition. There's a mistake I think I made. Uh, in the mailbag, not mailbag, I keep saying that, in the real round table, <laughs> I mistook Rufus Sewell with Dugray Scott. I said, Rufus Sewell, you know, the villain, you know, he's the guy who was supposed to be Wolverine. Oh, yeah, Dugray No, Scott. he wasn't supposed to be no, Wolverine. No, that's Dugray, yeah. it, it wasn't until I got out and was listening to it, I went, what am I talking about? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's Dugray du- 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 Scott, I'm thinking. I want to see him play Wolverine. Dugray Scott? Or next yeah. time, I don't want to see Rufus Sewell do it. <laughs> I thought he'd have to be like a villainous Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, but with a multiverse, I hear as a multiverse, Ooh. anything could happen. Come on, let's get it on board. So, uh, I also got heroin and crack mixed up. <laughs> nice. Not things I'm familiar with, um, but we were talking about the fighter. I said he was. I said uh, Christian Bell played a heroin addict. He's actually a crack addict. Oh, okay. Hashtag Limp Biscuit. <laughs> they had but, a song called Crack Addict. But you did have your crack addict, didn't you? Probably. <laughs> you did have your crack addict. I had my crack addict. Yes, I thought you said. I thought you were to publish. I was a crack addict. I'm no, like, it's not really going to work well for my employment. Addict. Yes, I had a crack addict. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, I put a poll up, Liam. Go on. We had a couple of discrepancies last week, and we so did. I wanted to kind of uh, mm-hmm. see how it went. I don't remember which button's which on my thing, so I'm hoping this is the one for the poll results are in. Oh, it is. Ooh. Oh, good. Ooh. So poll number one. I'm going to go to Twitter here for a second. Uh, we spoke about did Ali recognize Lonnie yeah. when he was in front of the car? So I said, did Ali, not did you, not you specifically, but I mean like the, 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 audio, the person voting. I'm like, I don't want to know if you recognized him. Did Ali recognize him? And quite simply, yes or no. Um, I'm just going down to my, I should have looked for my hashtag BFE poll. That would have been a really clever idea. I'm going to do that right now. Let me guess. That's there's why a, I put it. a runaway success. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So let's take a look here. Did Ali recognize Lonnie? 60% of the audience said yes. Oh, I see. So 40% said no. So what I've learned is that I need to educate 60% of the people more about the films <laughs> we watch. Uh, no, I was, I was really quite surprised. I thought, it, I thought it was I clear. I thought she was being quite coy with him, you see. Oh, see, I didn't. And I still don't. Yeah. I still don't. Like, I'm yeah, not going to say, yeah, oh, yeah. well, that's how democracy works. No, that works for, you know, you yeah, know how yeah, we put yeah, in yeah, office. Yeah. It's not going to change my opinion. But I was surprised to see it was that much of a, uh, of a sway because I really thought, thought, thought it was obvious. Ergo, the poll. Oh, okay. So I'm willing to admit I was wrong on the idea, but I guess it's not obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a runaway one way or the other. Because we, it, honestly, we had 10 people vote, six went one way, four with the other. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's within, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the realm of possibility. I'll so, take that, though. <laughs> take the, yeah, take, take the victories when you can. Absolutely. So next up, uh, Ellie, let's talk about this. Because you are getting a lot of flack for your love of <laughs> the Kung Fu Karate Kid. <laughs> uh, direct oh, quote. I know, I know. Direct quote. Um, 
oh, I wish I had who this was. I think it's Hermes. I could be wrong. It'll be Hermes, yeah. That entire remake is an awful, horrible, insulting crime of a legacy that was the Karate Kid. Your testimony will be stricken from the record, and you will be held without bail in film jail. <laughs> but in Ellie's defense, if she's not seen any of the other Karate Kids, she's got nothing to compare it against. Right, but is it just... Okay, so are you telling me that independent of that is a good film? Well, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. However, I think the reason that Hermes is upset with me is that it's a well, an offense against the original. Okay, I hear you. Film. But so if I went when you haven't f- got the comparison, fair enough. But if I went and saw a film called, I don't know, um, Love and Basketball, mm-hmm. and it was about field hockey, yeah, I might go, hmm. Why'd you call it Love and Basketball? Yeah, 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 yeah. This doesn't feel like it does what it says in the tin, which yeah, is very important to us over here. It is, it is. And a Karate Kid, where it was all about Kung Fu, just struck me as a bit... Uh, Strange. Lazy. Thing because, is, the thing is, Kung Fu also begins with a K, so why don't just change to Kung Fu Kid? Because the branding for Karate Kid yeah. pulls on nostalgia. But it would, I think it would still do... It wouldn't do exactly the same thing, but people will go, oh yeah, that's like Karate Kid. What, call it the Kung Fu Kid? Yeah. Oh, that sounds better. It's. It, I tell you what. It's, I'm happy to accept this edit. There we go. <laughs> Hermes, can this get her some time off for good behavior? She accepts the kung fu kid. But I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan. I'm going to say this, Hermes. You want to throw us? Uh, you want to throw us an address via PM? That is sticker worthy. That whole jail thing. So I'm on to Speaking of which, oh, have we have we sent out? No, I sent you an address. Did you? I did. When? About two seconds after you asked for it. Oh. So there we go. <laughs> My bad. Because I even made a joke about Americans not putting the United States on their address. Yes, you did. Because Julene, we, we said, go ahead, your sticker word. She gave me the address, and I fired off to Liam. I did have a small thing. and goes, you, did, you, you did. can always tell an American they never put USA at the bottom. Oh, they always just, they're just so used to you not did. doing it. And then Liam, you said it to me? Yeah. Petty drop does it. Oh, yeah, drop. So there we go. And then uh, finally, just a little Nikki Lauda in Rush. Yeah. Played by Daniel Brohl, who you might remember as Zemo from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh. Do you remember him? No. Zemo, the guy who was on Falcon and the Winter Soldier with the mask. He's oh, like the guy with the, with the, the jacket. Yes. With the face mask thing. And, and that really cool coat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He played Nicky Lauda. Not- it is. I looked it up today. Wow. Danny from It's a Musical Pod brought it to my attention. And oh, I went, no wow. way. And I looked it up and I went, way, Ted. Wow. So there we go. Don't reference that. <laughs> so uh, time for some shout outs. Uh, it's a musical pod said we make them as happy as Brock Lesnar with his boom box. Uh, I love me a well-chosen wrestling gif. So when they had the gif of that happening, I appreciated it. Also shout out to Film Effect for a shield reference. Uh, I, Danny called me the Troy Bolton of podcasters. Mm. <laughs> go Wildcats. It's going to be a BFE New Year. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Is that a is high that school a, musical reference? Uh, yeah, not, still not seen it. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, they'd love to collab on the Notebook musical when it comes out. Although they completely Yay. agreed with us, and by us I mean me, when we talked about new shows needing to be on the West End. But they love Waitress and think Liam, you will too. And it's Yay. worth checking out the film on Disney Plus. And they argued Ryan Reynolds is greater than Ryan Gosling. Thank I you. said they're wrong there, so I put up a poll. Uh, showing that the education actually does have to continue because uh, it is 62.7% said Ryan Reynolds is the superior Canadian Ryan. And that is a lot more votes. That is a lot more votes. Uh, <laughs> what I would say is, I think this is indicative of, this is me where I'm going to say, even though I lost, here's the reason why. <laughs> uh, I think it's indicative of what I said. I think it's that he's a bigger movie star. Yeah. I think more people are like, oh, I love Deadpool. That was the question. My question wasn't, do you like Deadpool? Which I no. think is how some people have done this. I like Ryan Reynolds. He's Deadpool. The question was, who's the superior 
Canadian Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who's a better actor? And the question... The better actor is Gosling. Better actor is Gosling, yeah. I think. Oh, I don't think the question was who was a better actor. The question no, was I don't think that's what the question Ryan. was either. I think the way I phrased it, <laughs> I guess, in the, the end Ryan, is who's the better Ryan, The better right. Ryan is definitely... People just appreciate... Okay, people just appreciate... Gosling. Right, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll set off for that. Uh, I can find a halfway mark there. <laughs> but I do, yeah. Um, someone should say, no, no, you see, he's really good in this one movie. I'm like, one movie? <laughs> one movie? He didn't play himself. You don't say. Wow. That's amazing. That's what Ryan Gosling called his first movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie since, he's continued to add to it. So there we go. Uh, other people, Juline for All the Love, always. All the Love. And I will send you that sticker. There we go. <laughs> Ratchet Book Club. Uh, Paul and Griff for Everything All the Time. Carlo, lo, 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 lo. Cinema Recall. Uh, Josh from your next favorite movie. Uh, said a big uh, he wants us to do a real roundtable on horror films no. I said uh, it's not it's dude it's just who we're not we're, yeah, sorry. we are who we are we're not who we're not unless I said unless you want a whole hour of me going I haven't seen that have you seen that no, no. Okay. have you seen that we haven't no. seen that one either let's look what's this on IMDb <laughs> oh, this? Like, you don't want to listen to that as, no. as entertaining as I think we are you do not want to listen to that the Ocho Duro Parapalay Hour Wine Dined and Storytime uh, Lestat and the Summonit Boys Yay, for all the love the Film Effect Pod for all the perpetual love uh, I had to say it for all the love. Oh. Uh, when Cinephiles Attack for the Love, the Nerdy Photographer Podcast, Ray from NBC. NBC. And that's not before coffee. Uh, even the Score Podcast for all the love. Spy Hards, they are awesome. Matt from Wicked Awesome. What a great name. That is. That's wicked. My name's Matt from Wicked Awesome. <laughs> One T on Matt. That's what makes him wicked. Uh, so Wizard Podcast. Chance Whitmore. The Running Educator. Dan Mackholtz rubs some salt in some wounds for me for <laughs> ice hockey. Uh, but big thanks to you. Got to see this for all the love, which is his podcast. The Cheap Seat Review said, I had several friends work on Notebook. The scene where they're on the road looking up at the strip at the stoplight, it was so cold they had to use blow torches to warm up the pavement. Wow. Those two people were Canadian. You did not need to warm up the pavement for that. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been the middle of winter. They would have gone, oh, this is nice, eh? Yeah. <laughs> No do to boot it. It's a nice weather out. I don't know why, but your impression of a Canadian person is one of the worst impressions this of a Canadian is, person I've ever heard. It's, it's based on it's some guys. Yeah. It's a cliche. It's yeah, how the yeah, Americans yeah. make fun of our accents. It's yeah, based yeah. on two guys called uh, Doug and something Mackenzie from a film called Strange Brew. Uh, okay. And they all spoke like this, saying, don't be a hoser. <laughs> so it's, all, it's, it's very close to Minnesota nice from uh, when we did Fargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that same yeah, sort yeah. of sing-songy thing. Uh, so, uh, what do I have here? Friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. And we had a small discussion about whether that Dwayne Smith is copyrighted or if anybody's free to go mm-hmm. ahead and go Dwayne Smith on their podcast. I think in the end we discovered that's kind of a BFE thing. Yeah. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, but, uh, I also found out I'm not allowed to change it up apparently because people didn't like it. Well, so. you just kind of, it was like we hit like scramble or shuffle in a creative character mode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? Um, so, he says he never misses the BFE. Be like Dwayne Smith. Listen to everything we pedal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of listen to everything we do, Russell the Posty, who hey. you'll hear at the start of our next episode on Friday. He's yeah. our he's our intro to he our is. to our mailbag. So thank you very much. Uh, he said, I bloody love Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Can't wait for next week. I'll be listening while sitting near a shrubbery. Uh-huh. A shrubbery. <laughs> Hermes insisted that Dwayne not miss the notebook, uh, guessing that was thanks to George's bizarre Dwayne Smith performance last week. <laughs> and he also backed you up on It's Wonderful Life. He said, I was oh, right yeah. there with Liam. When I saw that, he said, I was thinking Wonderful Life too. Yeah, exactly. So there you See? go. Not the only one. You brought something. 
I see your value. I I brought something to the table. (laughs) Jay Salahi and the whole Northwood Pie team. Thanks a lot, guys. They keep promoting the podcast. Great. Thank you. you. It might not be be the last we've seen of Jay. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. He actually went on to say, I had a blast in the BFE discussing all things Northwood Pie. Such a great show with the nicest cast of people. You lot clearly fooled him. I believe it about me. I don't know what you guys were doing that night. Uh, I highly recommend you check the show out and give them a listen. And last time we spoke, he was getting his list of top five Tom Hanks films. So be like Jay Salahi. Get your top five list in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plantation House. Five. Plantation House, Liam. Hermes. That's what I got. Hermes came back with Plantation House. Yay. That was your random word was, of the week. It there was. It was. It was. Uh, and then some peeps, more than one, wanted me to have the 10 talk. That's what I'm calling it. Not a TED talk. The 10 talk the with Ellie regarding her 10. The 10 for, talk. For Notebook. And I said, I've got no issues with Ellie's 10 because you did go through and say, I like the cinematography. I like the... Uh, the story i like the characters i like the acting i said because i said there's no reason to have that talk we're not gonna do this every time someone gets a 10 and then once we gave our rationale they went oh okay fair enough okay that's where i'm going wrong (laughs) what the part where you went the part where you went yeah it wasn't very good that wasn't very good either but i still love it 10 (laughs) (laughs) it's a 10 because i want it to be a 10 i've got blinkers blinkers and oh i really hate that ending but it's a 10 that was a crap ending i love that no it wasn't that was an amazing ending (laughs) what what a great ending i wish there were more cars flying in the sky (laughs) but not enough to push me off a 10 no there are the right amount of cars flying in the sky in a notebook damn it (laughs) (laughs) so uh there we go uh there was also some debate about gaza versus reynolds we talked about that and this month is the start of best month ever on your next favorite movie uh i'm the first one to drop so if you go to your next favorite movie on the podcast of your choice you can get me talking about i don't know if it's my favorite movie it's up there it's in a short list and i'm talking about little miss sunshine little miss sunshine so something you haven't heard you me talk about on this podcast. i do I, I do really rave about this movie you do. so uh, i'm first i don't know how the rest of the month goes but the first one is me that's all i know uh i don't know i'm uh, penultimate then. if anything you guys will all get to speak as much as i do on that pod this month wow that's unheard of. I mean, I mean, I mean, just to see. We really should to see who has the longest runtime. Actually, everybody. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. bet you it's still me. <laughs> it will be you. Yeah, but there we go. Uh, a couple of spotlights before we move on. One, uh, two podcasts I listened to and loved this week, and really want to kind of shine a light. Number one, the effing nerds. Love yeah, our friends, the effing nerds. We love these guys. Uh, talking about Loki and the multiverse fallout and everything that means. Uh, they didn't do the whole series. They did episode six and then talked about the series as uh, as a whole as a at whole, that point. Yeah. Um, and you know, generally found myself disagreeing with some of the stuff they said. Their favorite episode was not my favorite episode. Was it number five? <laughs> it was number five. <laughs> <laughs> but you can hear. So if you went, Ian, you, no, no, you don't get. The, if you're like more of a super hard diehard comic fan, Ethan, if you're listening to this, you might want to check out the F and Nerds because they were a little bit more in line with actually the way you kind of saw things. Were but they if you're nerdy? out there, uh, they're much more comic booky. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking about all the payoffs. The yeah, I know, I know. But I was, tr- I was trying to justify that okay. and going, yes, they are. But it's because. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, they have such an intimate knowledge of these comic backstories whereas we say we're for the casual and for the casual yeah. episode five sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> so there we go it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> uh, and finally let's talk about this our aussie friends over there in australia <laughs> yeah uh i don't know if anybody has more fun than those two guys do doing their podcast they really do seem to have a lot of fun i had so much fun with them as well um, and they're talking about weddings this week so that neither one of them have been a part of or are planning necessarily for themselves so Brilliant. <laughs> you know it's it's and they totally own that i've been to a wedding recently and you know what they had a disney themed wedding and yeah. i thought that was lovely yeah it's really good 
I can show you the world. Oh, wait, that's Disney's lawyers at the door. <laughs> I gotta stop this. <laughs> I think you get like eight seconds. That's all, that's all you're allowed. You'd, that have, a, you'd have loved it, right? They kept bringing well, my... in that case, shining, shimmering, <laughs> well, There we go. Ellie's not usually one to sing on the pod. <laughs> Check that out. Um, but we have a trilogy of mini... Oh, is there something else you want to add to I was just saying you'd have loved it because they had like... Um, Trays coming out with like little mini burgers and mini chips and Sounds good to me, mini cake and all, you know intermittent. I might go and see. You have like a jumbo size of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna take three of those. I've got like some Ant Man size food. Where's the bit where they get really big? Um, so we got a trilogy of mini reviews here. So I just want to bring them up here. Uh, we've got actually it's four. A quadrology. Most people don't know that. Quadrology. Ooh, quadrology. Uh, the first is Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, who Brilliant. said, I checked like out best film ever covering a Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, and so glad they loved it. It's a high-energy, almost-morning radio show vibe discussion with some extra <laughs> sound clips. And then came back and said, I've listened to a little bit more, actually, as well. And it seems to be kind of, you know, a no, little nice. bit of a fan. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Bubba Wheat at Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. I love that. Uh, Sable Mercat. Sable Mercat? Sable Meerkat? No, it's Mercat. It's just one. Anyway, Sable Mercat <laughs> said, just finished the coming to America review. I really like y'all's soothing voices. Ooh. I recommend Fast and Furious 9 that might have the <laughs> podcast run a few hours. Uh, I gave up on, on Fast and Furious at four when I couldn't keep up with why do you keep changing scenes every like 65 seconds? Yeah. I can't deal with this. And the stunts get more I hear, unreal. I hear it gets good with number five when The Rock shows up, but you know. Yeah. I've never seen a single one. I did watch Number Hoss. one is good. It is good. It's Point Break cars yeah it is, yeah. So, it is. <laughs> if you want to hear our review of point uh, break go back a couple of weeks we got one in the yeah. can there i did watch hobson shaw the other day that but that's really highly rated i like it yeah yeah that's the I one with going off on a- the rock and statham and roman reigns yeah uh, Roman Reigns. He's this like big Samoan looking guy with like a goatee. Plays the he plays like Reigns. his brother or cousin or something. Oh, like Oh yes, that. yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen it, but he's like a big pro wrestler. Yeah, so yeah, he's good. yeah. Oh, cool. I I wondered about that. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, Cena's in in, in Fast Nine, isn't he? I've not seen none. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. We've seen enough of the <laughs> of the uh, of the Fast and Furious franchise, maybe. How did uh, Vin, Diesel, Vin Diesel feel about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I'm just sad with the WWE at the moment, so we're not talking about We're them. not talking about that. Uh, Ryan Kaketz said, I listened to a couple of episodes, League of Their Own and Ferris Bueller, and love them. We'll definitely subscribe and listen to more. I said, hey, do you mind if we put this in? He's like, no, I'm well up for that. I said, Monty Python. He was like, oh, I really like Monty Python. So there we go. <laughs> Hopefully you've listened, and now you've heard your shout out. Thank you for reaching out. Really appreciate that. And then this one was on Apple Podcasts from Peyton as a fellow Canadian slash British enthusiast so I guess that's me I'm a Canadian with British enthusiasm oh, what is the what's the word for someone it's a, a something a file I can't remember Anglophile Fran- Anglophile would be say Francophile because that's English love yeah Anglophile yeah yeah I don't know if there's a Brit a Britophile I don't know yeah I don't know um, mm. but British enthusiast and proud cinephile I look forward to seeing a new BFE podcast drop in my feed especially when they're reviewing one of my favorites like The Notebook Moulin Rouge and of course Back to the Future you know what? that's our first episode and our most recent episode <laughs> yeah. so well done Peyton yeah. also enjoy when your reviews make me interested in watching something new ah cool uh, that's powerful persuasion the bfe crew will always make you laugh think twice about your movie critique and learn something new love this podcast so Peyton, hey. see as you listen to most things get a hold of us we want to send you a sticker yeah. thank you so much for that we're gonna have to write these all down <laughs> that's why i said well yeah I'll, that's why i hold you accountable on the podcast going you got that right <laughs> you, go, you didn't send it to me i'm like oh don't do this to me on the air i will i will bury you <laughs> So if you want a sticker, uh, give us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcast. If yeah. it makes us if it makes us all like, oh, sticker worthy, sticker worthy. Very sticker worthy. So there we go. Uh, I need to get a sound file for sticker worthy. I'll see if I can create one there. Sticker. Yes. 
<laughs> but yes, like more, yes, more post production. <laughs> I already know what, what I'll use for the sound effects. I'm, 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 I'm there. Um, so why this film, Georgia? This is your pick, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Why, why, why this film? Uh, I went with this film because. I just love how absurd it is. I mean, like I said, when we were, I was introducing it uh, last week, we do all have history with it in one way or the yeah. other, um, having been in either one or two productions of the musical version. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just so much fun. I think it, I love it for the same reason I love, like, not to the same extent, but Alice in Wonderland, because it is just so nonsensical in places. And that it doesn't make sense but then they call back to things and it does make sense and I just I just love it I can't believe you just well, you know how much Alice I love Alice in Wonderland yeah <laughs> I did yeah I went there <laughs> fight me curiouser you know, funny, curiouser because I love Alice in Wonderland ooh uh, maybe burying the lead there there yeah. we go um, have we we've all seen this before yeah yep. Ellie have you seen this before no oh really okay that's no. interesting um so it was your, what was the first time you saw it Liam oh many 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 years ago that's it okay that's fine well, i can be it 10 11 12 that sort of age that sort of age okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and i actually literally watched it and went what did i just watch? this would be lost on a 10 11 12 year old it really <laughs> yeah, would yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i think georgia uh probably at 16 17 i think dad made me watch it i think i saw this around 16 17 i remember a friend had it on videotape he recorded it off of like tv yeah, mm-hmm. TBS or something like that, right? And he gave me the tape, and I think I, I pulled a sickie or something like that. And was like, <laughs> I have this tape. I'm like, may as well, hold on, may as well watch. There's nothing else is on, and sat there, and I was the perfect. I think 16, 17 is the right age for Python. I think it's just the kind of thing where you, because all your all your humor is sarcastic and like what the kids would say, random today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone kind of, has a random uh, face. Absurdist, you might say, if you were a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, Pretentious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you are. Which, which I've been known to be from time to time. So there we go. Uh, and so a, a small word of the thing to us. We're not reviewing our own personal performances no. in Spamalot. Oh, we're not. We can, we can make some references to a couple things, but let's try and keep this still more Monty Python, the Holy Grail focused than Spamalot. The film that people can actually watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our friends at It's a Musical have not reviewed this yet. Oh, okay. I have not reviewed Spamalot, sorry. So I'm like, bring me on for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that all day. Actually, definitely, guys. I'm just saying this. We've all been in spam a lot, so we if you're have. listening to this, two of us twice, and I know that Drew's not looking forward to reviewing it. So I'm like, why no, not? So why not? I'm, I'm just gonna throw. I'm, I'm with Drew. I'm throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> so there we go. There. <laughs> um, I'm just. Th- I'm just trying to suggest a collaboration, Liam. That would be cool. That would. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. So, um, the film itself is directed and written by Terry. Well, it's directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones, written by the whole Monty Python crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematography by another Terry, Terry Bedford. Wow. So many Terrys. So many Terrys back then. Uh, music by DeWolf, which is just like a music licensing house, I believe. DeWolf. And Neil Innes, who I believe does the main theme. I, I've heard that name before. I have no information on it, but it's totally possible. Yeah, I've heard that name before. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a 1975 British comedy reflecting the Arthurian legend written and performed by the Monty Python comedy group. Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, uh, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin. Directed by Gilliam and Jones. It was conceived of during the hiatus between the third and fourth series of the BBC television series Monty Python's Flying Circus. Now, what some people may not know, I didn't know at 1617, was that these guys were basically doing Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah if you're yeah, American, they're basically yeah, doing like yeah. a comedy sketch show, you know, 
throughout throughout you know on, on British television, and then in their off time when they're not on TV, they, they were they sketch. were doing films yeah. and things like this. It's a great way to sort of monetize, I guess, further or do long form storytelling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which you couldn't do even though they're a long form story long form storytelling <laughs> kind of develops along the lines of a bunch of skits anyway. I like but with one sort of storytelling, long long storm storytelling. I like that. There we go. Uh, so uh, fifteen months. Before they started filming, the Monty Python troupe assembled the first version of the screenplay. Uh, half of the resulting material was set in the Middle Ages and half was set in present day. They instead focused in the Middle Ages, which then developed into the idea of the Holy Grail. Uh, the idea was then how, how do we incorporate the scenes that don't fit the Holy Grail mo- mo- motif? And you can see a few of them as, as we go through. Do you think they went to get this green lit that they went, if they read the script, they'll go, what we've got in our hands is the Holy Grail. <laughs> We've got a green light this. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think British people are that hyperbolic. I think <laughs> no. that's a much more American thing to do. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think we're likely to go, like, yeah, it's a right. fun way to spend a few months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> the weather. <laughs> we get outside, yeah. get some fresh air. Uh, it's all outside. <laughs> neither Gilliam or Jones, uh, Gilliam, sorry, Gilliam or Jones had directed, a, it's because of Karen Gillan that yeah, I'm saying yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. Neither Terry Gilliam or Jones had uh, directed a film before and described it as a learning experience in which they would learn to make a film by making an entire feature length film. Much like our much friend like Jay Salahi like. yeah. or like Buddy Boy from Greece. Oh, it's oh. his first film, isn't it? Randall Kaisler. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the cast humorously described the novice directing style as employing the level of mutual disrespect always found in Monty Python's work. Uh, a 2021 tweet by Eric Idle revealed that the film was financed by eight investors, including Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, cool. Jethro Tull's Ian Anderson, uh, Michael White, Heartaches, which was a cricket team founded by lyricist Tim Rice, and three record companies, including Charisma Records. I love that. And is uh, that Tim Rice as in Tim Rice? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. But how weird? They're all musicians of some sort. Well, there's a reason for this. Oh, okay. And also, uh, the investors contributed the entire original budget, which was about $410,000 oh, at the okay. time. Um, and so... Funds earned also by Pink Floyd's album Dark Side of the Moon went towards funding this movie. The band were such fans of the show, they would actually stop recording sessions just to watch Monty Python's Flying Circus when it was on TV. Because <laughs> you didn't have on demand back then. You, you couldn't record it. We didn't have VCRs yet. So you had to see it or you missed it. I love Pink Floyd. Yeah. I do. I'm not really. Huge fan. I just don't get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't get it. Floyd were fans, man. <laughs> uh, according to Terry Gilliam, uh, the uh, Pythons turned to rock stars like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and Elton John for finance yes. because the studios wouldn't fund the film, but rock stars saw it as a good tax write-off. Because oh, 90% of a tax, like, the tax was as high as 90% yeah, for the yeah, super rich in the UK at that point. So how do you hide your money? You put it into things like this, you write it off, and you can actually earn a a business investment back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a chance Tom to Jones sort of, left the country because of that. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of you who left yeah. the country at that point. Um, there are numerous disagreements between Gilliam and Jones. Uh, Gilliam was more focused on uh, technical aspects, while Jones was more focused on the comedy. After this, it was agreed that Jones directed the further Python movie. So they went nuts. Oh. story i guess or tone yeah, yeah. over style always okay. and if i had to say something this film's a very it's very ru- rudimentary it's not, it's not overly ambitious in effects no or in style and like you no. say there's a lot of long shots aren't there? a lot of long shots and it's all it's all outside yeah like as someone who's tried to shoot a thing or two outside it's hard <laughs> and you could tell by the filming of it there's different graininess and yeah all the, the film stock in a couple yeah, places yeah. but you know what the cool thing about outside is Go on. outside is usually free 
It is, it is. <laughs> Whereas inside costs money. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you have to light it. <laughs> Very so, true. And lights cost money and all that sort of stuff. So I had its theatrical debut in the United in the UK, April 3rd, 1975, followed by a US release, April 27th, 75. And then it was later re-released October 2015 in the UK. I remember when that came out. It was very briefly. I remember that. I wish that I'd, I wish I'd I gone. It. I wish I'd gone back and seen it. Yeah, that might have been yeah, on the I big screen. Oh, okay. I yeah. wish I had. Yeah. Um, and so we then. Uh, Gilliam remembers the film opening at Cinema One in New York City before dawn the second day. It opened. The line was around the block. This stunned everyone. Uh, the, the, the filmmakers walked around the crowd all day and even went into the theater to watch the film with the audience. Gilliam remembers two people in particular who attended one of those first screenings. He came to tell them how much they enjoyed the film. Those were John Belushi and Gilda Radner. That's cool. Who were each beginning their own careers at that time. That's and that's cool. the SNL link. So, it you is, know, America yeah. had SNL. Britain had Monty Python. Yeah. So I can see why John Belichi loved him. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about postmodernism as we talk through this film. Okay. So postmodernism is this idea that throughout film and throughout art and throughout all these things, postmodernism is a realization that we can never accurately represent on screen in any situation, whether it's the news, whether it's a movie or a TV show, whether it's a photograph, you can never accurately reflect reality. Yeah. So why? So why try? And so with this in mind, you can play with the ideas of, look, we all know it's constructed. So yeah. let's show that rather than hide the fact it's constructed. Let's show off the fact it's constructed. Okay. Let's show off the idea that you can see a camera. You can see a mic. You can do things like this. Let's mess with time periods. Often so this belongs in one time. This belongs in fourth wall break. So Deadpool. Everything we yeah, said about yeah. that. That's all postmodern. Because what, what do you mean he's aware there's a camera there? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Is he aware the camera's always? And so it's this idea of it. No, you're supposed to respect the idea that you can't see the camera. And so all these things become quite whatever. Monty Python really is. Very British thing because pantomime as well is hugely postmodern. Pantomime is, yeah. Is, and that doesn't translate well to America. They don't like it. They, they, like, they don't like it. They don't get it. They don't get Panto. No. I didn't realize this until um, the other day. I watched Smoking the Bandit again. Okay. And he breaks the fourth wall. Oh, does he really? One scene. He looks at the, he He goes away from the uh, sheriff. Yep. And he drives away. And as he pulls away slowly, he looks at the camera, smiles, and then goes off again. Yeah. And you're like, wow. I f- didn't even remember that. Yeah. That's stupid, isn't it? How how I didn't remember, but yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing when you learn things. You go back and look at them, and you go, "Wow!" I mean, but we were, I think doing this has made me think more. Oh, about, I think so. About yeah. films, you know, that's kind of took a little bit of the enjoyment out of it. <laughs> that's a great review for the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. I no longer enjoy films as much <laughs> no, because I'm looking at a different. I'm not looking at it as just as an audience member. I'm looking yeah. at it from technical points well, of views and all sorts ellie's mentioned as well that doing the podcast has made her look back at some of her films that she used to enjoy and go yes. oh that's the writing on that's a bit too expositional isn't it yeah you know y- yeah you do look at it differently yeah i did uh, i used to live with a colleague uh we, we did like a, a house share me and a me and a guy from work yeah. and he said we used to stay we used to watch casualty which is like this really yeah. low rent version of er over here guys <laughs> and he'd go i can tell what's going to happen now because you sort of told me you know if the camera does this oh it's going to be yeah, it's yeah. going to be bad <laughs> dutch angle something bad's going to happen he's like i can predict a lot more things now yeah. he tell friends, you watch tv with Ian, he's great <laughs> unless you want things ruined for you in which case you don't want things ruined in which case maybe not so much but you do pick up the tricks and you do appreciate it but it's on a different level yeah. it's not just you're fully sucked you're not immersed as much because you're you're 
noticing the, the breadcrumbs, if you will. Yeah, and you're not doing it on purpose. You just no, it's just something you picked up. It's something, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like bad expositional writing. Like I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be that offended by it back in the day, but now I'm just like, there's nothing worse. <laughs> there's nothing worse than bad exposition. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with the subtitles. Uh, we have the credits. We have, we have, we have subtitles. I said the subtitles with credits. Maybe oh my god! Put it. You didn't care for it. It's a I very long joke. So long trying to turn the bloody subtitles off. <laughs> I, well, we turned this on. Yeah. So I hit pause and I said subtitles. I said, I said, I wonder how many people actually watch this. We watch it on Netflix. And how many people watch this on Netflix and try I to turn the, the subtitles, subtitles off? off? That's funny. <laughs> And you I turned it off and back on again. I was looking at TV settings. I was looking at Netflix <laughs> settings. <laughs> That's funny. I that is that. funny. Uh, so once you realized, at what point did you realize they were part of the act? And at what point did, were you ever able to appreciate them as a result or no? Um, no, I did. I did appreciate it once I realized I was just a bit frustrated. Um, I was watching it with my uncle and he was sort of going, I think this is part of it. I was like, what do you mean it's part of it? Like, it's not, it's not part so, of it. Shut so, up. If you so, this, reading- so this is, this is postmodernism because we're, we've been taught the credits aren't part of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hasn't started yet. This is the boring part we sit through and they go, no, no, no. Even in this where we're giving credit, don't watch the credits. Watch because the jokes have already begun. Yeah, yeah. So, but if um, you start reading it, you can see that there's jokes in it. Yeah, because the first one is why not try yeah. a holiday in Sweden this year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I have, and then uh, we get Richard M. Nixon signs off on the special thanks. Yeah, uh, we get a bunch of stuff about moose, and the plural of moose the is moose. moose. Yes, the majestic moose. A moose bit his sister. A moose, bit, a moose once bit my sister. <laughs> that was where it got a bit much for me. Oh, really? I like, yeah, I liked it for the first few, and then it just got a bit silly. See, I think the way this works, and it depends on, I think it totally depends on what kind of personality you have, Monty Python overall. But I think it starts off at the first, you get the initial laugh, and then you go, oh, this is getting old. And if and you stick with it long around. enough, it comes back around, and you go, this is so dumb, but like in a good way. <laughs> so I really liked it. Um, I think we're not there yet, but they go, we apologize for the fault in the subtitles. Those responsible for them have been sacked. And then instantly it's back to, I think this is a moose yeah. once bit my sister. Mind you, moose bites can be pretty nasty. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and then eventually we get this whole giant thing. George, did you get this, this, this did, big yeah, thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we then get, we apologize again for the fault in the subtitles. Those responsible for sacking the people who have just been sacked have been sacked. Um, and then we get about the moose trainers and the choreographs for the moose and those different bits and pieces. And we get a massive bit about the moose biting the sister. So she was carving her initials on the moose with the sharpened end of an interspace toothbrush given to her by Svenge, her brother-in-law, an Oslo dentist and star of many Norwegian movies, the hot hands of an Oslo dentist and fillings of passion and the huge mouth. <laughs> Hu- Sorry, it's really huge- unfortunate you went to huge and then started laughing. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. The huge molars of Horst Nordfink. Okay. I still don't even know what you just the said. Huge, the huge, huge molars? Molars, yeah. yeah, as in the back teeth. As in teeth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it's all dentist related. Sure. And moose related. You just and got you, related. Ellie, you just got to get your teeth into it. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, again, they apologize. And they say, we've, those responsible for Saku who've been sacked have just been sacked. And they say, we're going to finish the rest of them. Uh, the, the Bruces have gone to redo this at some great expense in a totally different style. And we get this, like, super, like, fiesta. Llamas. Yeah. And it's all llamas, llamas now rather than uh, other Mises, stuff. Yeah. And it, it, it's quite funny. 
This was trippy. Well, now, uh, the opening credits uh, feature pseudo-Swedish subtitles, which soon turn into appeal to visit Sweden and the country's moose. Uh, their office dropped soon enough, but the whole purpose of this was that Michael Palin wanted to entertain the captive audience already at the beginning of the film. Good old Michael Palin. I appreciate people who think about the audience's perspective as they watch this. Yeah, yeah. I just like to think that the majestic moose was written about me because moose was my uh, childhood nickname. So there you go. I'm taking the majestic moose. Have you ever bitten anybody's away. sister? <laughs> yes. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> then, then yes, that applies to you. <laughs> Uh, when this movie screened at the Cannes Film Festival, the audience laughed at the opening credits. However, the projector soon stopped working, and the audience roared with laughter, thinking it, too, was part of the movie. It <laughs> turns out it was a bomb scare, <laughs> and the firemen had to come in and make them leave the theater. Uh, the theatrical release contains 527 jokes, including 42 in the opening credits, for an average of one joke every 10 and a half seconds. Which is what I said about Monty Python. Yeah, it quick, quick, is quick, bam, quick, bam, quick, bam, quick, bam, 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 yeah. bam. Quickly written humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we go to England 932 AD and we meet King Arthur played by Graham Chapman who's very good as King Arthur I like King Arthur he's yeah. very good mm-hmm. yeah well he's keep in mind he's supposed to be the straight man yeah yeah. I thought he was just a bit shouty well he's keep in mind he's a king, he's a king. who no one respects or <laughs> listens to yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah but yet, yet, yet he goes into every situation believing that by saying I am the, the king, king of England and this time it'll work and it never does. Did he say I King appreciate of the, the personality. I just thought the line delivery was a bit much. All right. What was that? Yeah. I said, didn't he say King of the Britons or something? King of the yeah. Britons, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, as chronicled in Life of Python, the first 20 years of Monty Python, uh, he suffered from acrophobia. Oh. You know what acrophobia is? Is that a fear of uh, open spaces? I think it's heights. Oh, is it? I think acro is heights. Um, so wants to look that up maybe ag- agrophobia what's that one that agrophobia is fear of going outside, outside. Oh, okay but acro a-c-r-o i believe it's heights. yeah it, it is heights. okay oh well, uh, well done tre- you. trembling bouts <laughs> of forgetfulness during filming due to his alcoholism pro- prompted him to refrain from drinking while the production continued in order to remain quote on an even keel <laughs> nearly three years later he would achieve sobriety Good. Um, but it Good did cause problems during filming and not just through his repeatedly forgetting of his lines. This was about the first day that we'll talk about later. Chapman had been used to drinking heavily during Monty Python's uh, Flying Circus to help with his nerves. He quickly discovered his own dismay, but the crew had no alcohol on the set and the nearest town was too far away for a quick trip to purchase any. Consequently, he was visibly stressed, shaking, sweating, and moving slowly throughout uh, a few of the scenes. Yet he was known to be an experienced rock climber. We'll talk about that later. Not known about his alcoholism, the crew wondered if Chapman's heavy costume caused the stress. It was actually alcohol uh, alcoholism induced DTs, like tremors yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from, from going through a draw. Yeah. And then we meet Patsy, and Patsy is his servant, banging coconuts behind him. That helps. That masks it. What? Doesn't it? These tremors. Yeah. <laughs> the coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry Gilliam was originally supposed to play Sir Gawain, whose role would have consisted of repeatedly breaking the fourth wall. So he would have been Deadpool, ah, basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, and pointing out how special effects and other aspects of the movie's production were achieved. His role ultimately ended up being turned into Patsy, with medium awareness of the jokes being summed up in the character's only speaking line, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the stage show obviously gives Patsy a much bigger they role. Do, yeah. And originally, the night characters were going to ride real horses. Uh, and the I, reason why they don't? They can't afford it. Can't afford it. But you know what? 
Oh, it's, it's it's one of the funniest jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and I love how they do it. And what's the first thing they do? Let's draw attention to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Let's yeah. make this the first real skit. If we take the piss out of it, other yeah. people can't take the piss out of it. Can you just imagine the uproar, like uh, everyone in the cast and stuff? How hilarious they must have found it. Or but also ridiculous. Or, or would you have gone? Will they laugh at this? Yeah, but isn't it funny how you forget? When there's half a oh, as, as soon as you buy, as soon as you buy into the premise, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, of course you are. Yeah, there's the sounds great, but the go ahead, they open, but you know the. Yeah, and so uh, the pythons decided we will mime horse riding while uh, the, 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 our horses, per se, trotted behind them, banging coconut shapes together. The joke was derived from the old radio effect where you would do this. Genius. Yeah. And so the first scene is about horses and coconuts. And I will sort of allow us a moment of things because, Liam, I have played one of these two guys on the stage show. And you've played the other one. I have, yeah. So where these two guys in towers debate the merits of, because they asked King Arthur where he found the coconuts. Because he says, I'm riding a horse. Now, you're not riding a horse. you got a guy <laughs> behind you banging coconuts, which is great. Like, yeah. to steer into it. And he goes, well, where'd you get the coconut? And he goes, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, where'd you find them? Well, I found them. Found them in Mercia. The coconut's tropical. I'm even doing the, I can't, I, I'm, 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 I'm following. Yeah, yeah. I'm just following right into the sort of uh, vocal performance. And then they average about, you know, and he goes, well, you know, the, the, the European swallow may come and go with the winter. Yeah, these are not strangers to are our lands. Coconuts migrate. Are you suggesting coconuts yeah. migrate? <laughs> <laughs> and they get the argument about, well, you know, he could grip it by the husk. It's like a five ounce swallow could not carry a one pound coconut. <laughs> and then, of course, the other person played by you in the stage show at this point. It was, yeah. Would be, well, it could be carried by an African swallow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, an African swallow may be, but not a European and swallow <laughs> and then fun- it- sorry go ahead. it's a funny little debate but the funny thing is as people have already probably guessed i'm not a big fan of monty python yes but i did enjoy this more because i've done the show oh because you've said on the show you now see where the humor is maybe or well, the- or is it just wrapped in nostalgia not wrapped in nostalgia okay. yeah that's interesting because i'm the complete opposite so um, what so the having, show's steeped in having it, to, I found doing the show hilarious. Oh, okay. I I laughed once in this film. Maybe it's because the show does takes the best parts of this and then adds to it. Ellie, yeah, it I does. didn't laugh either. Mm. There's a few <laughs> from me, yeah. but I enjoyed it more because of doing the show. Do you know what I mean? If I hadn't have done the show, if I hadn't done spam a lot, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did this time around. Right. Um, and then well, this, it's all for not anyway, because African swallows are non-migratory. Yeah. Migratory. So that's it. And so off they, off they it ride. Carried by two swallows. Yeah. But they have to have it on a line. And so all these <laughs> things, and it's going to be really hard not to do every line. Cause this is a really quotable movie. Really and, and when you look at the especially reviews, especially when you've done the show and the done show. all the quotes. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I mean, for me, like I kind of, this became, you turned into me. I turned into you. Yeah, you started doing lines before lines even approached. Oh, I was, oh, as far as watches, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and when I did this, because we'd done Greece together. Yes. And then we did Spam a lot next, I think. That was the that next was, show, yeah? yeah. And so it went from your dream show to my dream show. Yeah. And I was like, loving this. Like, I don't, I can do everybody's. <laughs> the guy who's playing King Arthur looked at me and went, do you know everybody's parts? And I went, yes. <laughs> I do. Yes, I, I do. I, I love this show. I could, I could fill in for anybody. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? The dance moves, not so much. But <laughs> the dialogue of the songs, I'm on it. Um, and so we get to boom, bring out your dad. Yeah. Which is a great little scene. Cause of course it would be the plague or something thereof going on. Yeah. And there's the local guys comes through, I guess like a bus, you know, comes through yeah, twice a week, up, pick up picking the up the dead, get rid of them. And, um, some guy played by John Cleese tries to bring this old guy out and throw him on the, uh, 
on on the pile and it turns out he's not dead yet not dead yet <laughs> he's getting better and he goes look i don't think that's the case he goes one's not dead he goes give us a favor and the old guy goes i think i'll go for a walk he goes you're not fooling anyone you know <laughs> i feel, I feel happy. happy and so i want to go in the car so he asks him for a favor they look both ways he clubs them on the head here's your nine prints yeah, thanks a lot don't worry about it and that's I, it i felt sorry for the person on the car because obviously they're all real people yeah. laying on the car. They just sort of <laughs> dumped him on top of the next oh, one. And there's so much mud and filth. Oh. So I have a note coming up later. I don't know about this scene or a future scene, but there's a, there's a funny moment about it. Oh, okay, cool. Arthur rides by and he goes, oh, I must be a king. <laughs> <Rides> by. <laughs> How do you know? Because he, he hasn't got shit all over him. This is the only line that was an ad lib in the whole show. Was it? In the whole film. <laughs> ad lib by Eric Idle. Wow. Is the only one. Because these guys are actually surprisingly not big ad libbers. Oh, okay. They believe in the writing process. Oh, okay. Which I'm going to But if you consider it, they would have divvied up the writing between them. Yeah. Well, then you can't go in there and start. I wrote that. You can't yeah. go ahead and start ad lib. Fine, I'll ad lib your so It must have been like an agreement. We do the yeah. scenes as written. Yeah, 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 yeah. You hear that, Ethan? You do the <laughs> scenes as written. Especially when there's children in the audience. <laughs> or the <Yeah>. critic. <laughs> Uh, and so we cut to that to another great scene a scene i got to play actually um dennis the 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 man the mudslinger the mudslinger (laughs) so king arthur rides up to uh to to this guy and says old man and he goes uh, i'm 37 he goes what he goes i'm 37 i'm not old old woman man man. okay old man i'm 37 what i'm 37 i'm not old he can't just call you man he said you could call me dennis (laughs) didn't know you're an old dennis and didn't bother to find out and so these are it's pulling on the tropes of of films like this you would have seen a hundred times over and then it turns out that uh they've kind of got their own very modern political beliefs like really left-wing like mm-hmm. kind of like 20, 20th century, at least 19th century. And they're talking very highbrow. Very, oh, very yeah. highbrow and then <laughs> systems and challenging authority. Yeah. And so, yeah, why should I listen to you? Because I'm your king. Oh, king, eh? Very nice. <laughs> I got to do it. And how'd you get that, eh? By <laughs> exploiting the workers. <laughs> Which I, I, I will share this brief moment. I, I got to play this part. Um, I became somewhat renowned the first time I played it, especially for my Dick Van Dyke-esque <laughs> um, English accent of yeah. this line especially by exploiting the workers was like my very much the, the height of my dick van dykeness um and so they don't believe in kings uh, mom thinks they're an autonomous collective uh they explain their You're kidding po- yourself <laughs> they explain their political standpoint we're an anarcho-syndicalist commune i believe uh-huh. <laughs> uh he says i order you to be quiet and uh, arthur explains his backstory about why he's king uh, to which point there is this wonder and like, the music comes in and the lady of the lake <sighs> with held excalibur which told me that i arthur should be your king and then dennis just no sells and goes <laughs> listen strange women lying in ponds <laughs> distributing swords is no basis for establishing a system of government <laughs> i do love this bit <laughs> and, uh, he just goes on and says you know uh, a call for a mandate should be from the masses not some farcical a- aquatic ceremony? Aquatic ceremony. Aquatic, yeah. We would say aquatic where I'm from, which everyone, he, 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 he's not from here. <laughs> um, and so. Look, if I went around saying Moisten Bin threw a scimitar if at If I me. went up and said I was the emperor because some Moisten Bin lobbed a scimitar at me, they'd have me put away. <laughs> and so he says, I can tell here the fans. And so he goes, she goes, be quiet, be quiet. I order you to be quiet. Oh, oh, order. You hear that? You hear that? That's what I'm on about. Help, help. I'm being repressed. <laughs> Ellie, should we go for a cup of tea? This, and leave these are you seriously <laughs> telling me this is not a funny it's skit so for you? Funny. This is so funny. 
<laughs> in principle, I find this really funny. However, watching it, I didn't find it oh, funny. Oh, I love this. So See, I think the I'm issue might you, be, Ellie, because I saw the film, loved the film, did the show, have come back to this. So this is nothing more than the thing I first fell in love with. For yeah. you, you might go, I love the show. This has elements of the show, but is missing some of the parts. I so this is a Diet Coke version to you yeah. of what you know. To me, this is I'd the original. I yeah, the yeah. acting of our local amateur group. Uh, if you're thinking the ver- uh, I would they I would are just impressions. I would str- no I wouldn't even say that cuz I say some people from our local amateur group didn't even watch this. Oh that's true. But like the good ones Liam, were just impressions. Our one. Yes, we were all mega fans except for you. Yeah. <laughs> the one that the one that Ellie George and I did together. There's some people there who clearly had not seen the source material. Oh okay. Nope. <laughs> so um we get there uh where are we at now? Dennis's mother. Oh, kind of unusual for a Monty Python film. All the female roles, with the exception of Dennis's mother, were played by women. Yeah. Usually in a Monty Python, it's like Shakespeare. Men play all the roles. Like Panto. Like Panto. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, not okay. all the roles in a Panto. No, but-, but yeah. But no, so it would have been like that classical, because it's just funny. You can't help it. I'll tell you what I did enjoy about this. It was the changing of faces, obviously playing different characters. How many people play different, different yeah, roles? Yeah. That might be a fun game at the end to say, who do you think played the most roles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you what, who I would have thought it was was not true. Oh, really? It was not true at all. No, no, no. I'd no, probably no. thought oh, I can, Excellent. I can skip to the paper now. This is great. Yes, I can. So, uh, we've then got uh, Arthur witnesses a duel. And the duel, the Black Knight and the Green Knight, played by uh, the Black Knight was John Cleese. John Cleese, yeah. And the Green Knight, who we don't hear say anything, is Terry Gilliam. Oh, okay. He's they, just chilling in the background. And they performed all their own stunts. during the, oh, the duel between the Black and the Green Knight's quite good. good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all intercut between King Arthur just sort of riding up. And then you have like just these violent, them. like, well, he's not there yet as well yeah, yeah. at first. And then he does sit and he watches them. And uh, Terry Gilliam and John Cleese had to do learn to manage big, heavy swords and do some acrobatics, though never being recognizable, wearing heavy, heavy armor and the full helmets. They avoided the use of stuntmen because, as I said in commentaries, they had a lot of fun doing the duel. Uh, why not? <laughs> and the Green Knight dies by having his eye poked out through uh, the Black Knight, through like the the sort of eyepiece or like you know, red post eyes. Just square. Yeah. It's and, brilliant. Oh, it's it's gotta be tomato soup. Oh, it's gross. gotta be tomato soup. <laughs> And then he then he just pulls it out, and then uh, we meet the uh, Black Knight and the other Black Knight. I'll say is a bit of a spoiler. Uh, Arthur wants to invite the Black Knight to join him at Camelot. There's no answer, and then he says, "Well, then you make me sad, but I must be on my way." And he goes, "None shall pass," which is very Robin Hood, Little John kind yeah. of a thing here. And he goes, you must move. I'm king of the Britons. He goes, I move for no man. And king Arthur, who just tends it all the time. Which yeah. I think is sort of Ellie's thing here. But so be it. <laughs> and so they do a fight, and the fight sucks. Yeah. But it's like, so it's like intentionally so bad. But they can't so like Arthur the barely has to move like an arm out because it's not coming anywhere near him. <laughs> and he cuts an arm off. And uh, the joke well, I thought being, it was to show you that how superior he was of a fight. Oh, like, like the sword's like three feet to his right. Like it's nowhere near him. No. And he's uh, like, aha. And he's like, ha. I think it's purposely bad. Like we, oh, okay. It's building up our expectation. Oh, this is going to be, a, he was so good with the first one. This is going to be awesome. And then the joke is, no, oh, it sucks. Oh, okay. It's really and, bad. And the Green Knight is just face down in the yeah. ditch behind the background. I, it's obviously probably hilarious. just the costume because Gillian's probably yeah, filming yeah, yeah. it now. Yeah. 
Um, and so that the arm comes off, and the joke is, of course, that doesn't give up. And he goes, I've had worse. He goes, you have not. He goes, I have. Come on. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> Cuts off the second arm. And at this point, Arthur goes down to pray. And it's brilliant, because at this point, I think it was the audience, your first time watching it, you think it's over. It's a tight shot, nice and close up on Arthur as he prays. And then you just see this, <laughs> this foot come from outside of the frame and kick him in the head. And Arthur was like, going, what are you doing? And he goes, look, you <laughs> stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. <laughs> he goes, yes, I have. Arthur goes, look. He goes, that's just a flesh wound. <laughs> um, then the first leg comes off. And so he's sitting there, like, just hopping around on one foot, like, like leaning into him. Come on, I'll have you. He goes, the Black Knight's invincible. He goes, you're a loony. Cuts the second log leg off. He goes, we'll call it a draw. And Arthur leaves to him saying, come back and fight, you yellow, yellow bastard. The Black Knight was, the Black Knight was played by John Cleese. But when Arthur, he goes, what you going to do, bleed on me? (laughs) But when Arthur cuts off the first leg, a real one-legged actor was used. Oh, brilliant. So uh, on the DVD, Terry Gilliam reveals that uh, a marionette was used to film the shot of the second leg being cut off. He also joked the one-legged silversmith uh, for the shot of a knight with no legs save work because they only had to dig a hole for one of the legs. (laughs) That's that's brilliant. Less work. I love that so much. Uh, since said it was him standing in the hole so we don't know necessarily the ah, truth of it okay. but if anything i would pre- I, I would prefer the other story to be true i think it's pleasing there it probably is but it yeah. would be great if it wasn't uh and then we go to the witch scene which uh is one of those scenes i could do word for word we found a witch can we burn her i'm not gonna do the rest of it i promise <laughs> or a minute and a half of it. but uh we, we start with the head hitting monks the guys you know thwack um and then we have the witch hunt and a woman has been accused of being a witch the woman accused of being a witch is connie booth who was john cleese's wife john cleese's wife and he's part of the crowd saying we should burn her yeah um and so went on to be in faulty towers i don't know if you notice this but while they're bringing her up and the big thing is you get a shot of bedivere with a sparrow and a coconut and he's he's trying to wave them in his hands which is great because it's just these little callbacks to going why is he doing he was in that scene why is he doing this at this point yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really clever um and so um we find out that john Cleese says that this woman uh turned him into a newt was into a newt and he has this he has this like mask he has to lift up if he wants to speak and then drop it back down <laughs> i got better i got better and he goes well there are ways of knowing if she is a witch point of it was like are there tell us <laughs> They just want to burn. They just want to burn someone because this is what happened. You got like hysteria about everybody's a witch. Yeah, you we did. did the crucible. We did. So you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. this idea about we can we can kill people and get away with it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's not cool. Oh, I, no, yes. no, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Alex from Main Street Finance. That is part of the sarcasm. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, there are ways to know a witch. What do we do with witches? Burn them! <laughs> and what else do we burn with witches? More witches! <laughs> no, wood. Precisely. So why do witches burn? And there is a pause that I left in that opening montage. It is like 13 seconds long <laughs> before uh, John Cleese comes out with, because they're made of wood. <laughs> it killed me that this scene was not in spam a lot. Yeah. Because I love this. I would have been any of them. Yeah. any of them i'd have been the witch i don't I care i would have loved to have been oh. the witch she's her face throughout this is 
priceless. If you pay attention when John Cleese is stalling, because he lets it sit. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of silence. Yeah, me too. When, when, when I, when I, do, I think sometimes really? you, I've directed you guys. <laughs> True. Other people's silence. On, on the stage. I'm a big fan of silence and letting that speak. And so, um, you know, give it a beat. Let, let, let people feel this. Let, don't, don't, don't jump too quick. Don't, there's something here. And John Cleese has to sit forever, so long that a bunch of them start to corpse. They and do. at one point, Eric Idle has to bare his teeth and he bites down on the blade of the scythe he's holding, they which did. is not scripted. He did. Because he's about to burst out laughing and bit the scythe to stifle himself. If you look closely, you can see him shaking slightly, trying to keep his laughter under control. <laughs> Sir Michael Palin can also be seen laughing, uh, hiding laughter at the same time as well. While earlier in the scene, John Cleese quickly turns his head to one side. <laughs> Just before the shot cuts, but not quickly enough to hide the fact that he's broken character. <laughs> uh, if you listen to DVD, all three of them commentate on this. Uh, I'm going so, back and watch that knowing that they do yeah, that. I watched this time, yeah. and it's like Eric Idle's really obvious when he bites <laughs> on the scythe. And he goes back to Bedivere. He goes, so how can we tell if she's made of wood? And they go, we can build a bridge out of her. <laughs> yes, but can you not also build a bridge out of stone? stone. They go, Oh, yeah. And this is why it's funny, because it's the stupidest conversation. But nonetheless, these stupid things are like, yes, you are wise. Oh, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just so hilarious. So what else floats in water? We get everything from apples, rain, Legend. churches, gravy. gravy. I love how you weren't going to quote all of this scene. Yeah. <laughs> lead, stones. Lead, stones. Small stones. Very small rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, I'm Arthur, not sure that's true. Well, I don't think well, no, no, it's no. I definitely don't think lead does. No, very small rocks. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so all the they go very, goes, very small a rocks. Duck. A duck. So logically, if she weighs the same as a duck, she's made of wood. And he goes, and therefore, and they give it a beat. A witch, a witch, a witch. And of course, she weighs the same as a duck. <laughs> <laughs> to which point, the witch goes, "It's a fair cop." <laughs> Now, as a Canadian teenager, I rewound this about 50 times going, I will never know what she says here. Because it's a fair cop. What is that? Plus, with the accent, I couldn't make out what it said. I couldn't make out, even though I knew, what does that mean? It's a fair cop means kind of like, okay, fair enough. Guilty as charged. You've got me. You've got me. That's that's a fair trial. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. It's a fair cop. Your criticism is valid. Yeah. But I had no idea. Uh, so we go to Bedivere's helmet uh, was sold in March 2007 for $29,000, which I think is kind of low. They that thought low. They, wow. it went for 10 times more than they thought it would. If I had more money than I knew what to do with, and you told me you can have a prop from Holy Grail. For that 30, would be 000. your Holy Grail. I would, yeah. I'd spend 50 grand on it. Yeah, why yeah, not? Definitely. Yeah. Wouldn't you want the hand grenade of An- The holy Antioch. hand grenade of Antioch? Yeah, there. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's up for grabs. I'd want that mm-hmm. book thing they kept turning. What, the book? Yeah. <laughs> the book of the film? No, the book in the film. Yeah, the book of the film. The book of the film? What they keep coming no. back to? Where, yeah, with these pictures in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, the close call. I got it here. The next one. So, ah, the book of the, the, book film. Of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we introduced two of our characters. Lancelot the Brave. Woohoo, that was me. Galahad the Pure. In one of them, that was me. It was. Sir Robin the Knight, quite, not quite so brave as Sir Lancelot. Was, in the other one, that, that was, was me. And then Sir Not Appearing in this film, who was played was by me. Michael Palin's infant son, William. Aww. It's quite nice, isn't it? That is cute. And so uh, why did each person get cast as who? Well, according to Michael Palin, it was determined by who wrote what. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So Castle Anthrax was a Galahad thing, and he'd written that. So he was Galahad. 
Uh, Terry Jones had written Bedivere, so he got to be that. Lancelot was a mix of stuff everybody had written, but John Cleese seemed to fit it the best. Eric Idle had written Sir Robin, so he got the Robin parts. And that makes sense. I know what I want the scene to look like. Therefore, yeah. make yeah. me the main character in it. Very similar. Here we, Jay Salahi, here's some, here's some praise, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some high praise. You know, you, you, you guys cast, uh, Todd Knack, Todd Knack in the, in the lead role because you said you knew he knew where, he, where the story was going. Same, yeah, yeah. same idea. Yep, yep. yep. So, Jay, in one of many ways, I'm sure, in which you are like Monty Python. Yep. There you go. Um, the only knight to wear uh, a costume of chainmail was King Arthur. Everybody else wore them of wool, which is actually what we wore. Yeah, we did. And so was, probably really similar. I will say this. Hot. I will say this. The versions we wore, which we wore in both productions, actually, it was oh, the same set of costumes, so good. are very well done. Very, yeah. very, very, well very well done. But they were so heavy and hot. Well, the weather conditions in Scotland and England were cold and wet. So you can imagine what that did with the wool. Oh, I'd have made it heavy. Cold and wet. Heavy and, and wet. And yeah, it, you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't dry off. It would cling to you. To make matters worse, they spent most of the days in cold and wet days, and the hotel they were staying at only had a limited number of baths and hot water. So at the end of each oh shooting my. day, it was a mad dash so you could get back to the hotel first and into some hot water. They all seemed to agree they did not like enjoy they did not enjoy uh, much of the filming experience for the movie. Uh, the only member to wear chainmail was, of course, King Arthur. It wore twenty five pounds is what it weighed. Ooh. Wow! So yeah, and the rest wore knitted wool painted to look like metal. Some pretty much worn the real thing i guess yeah <laughs> uh and then we get camelot and we just went it's camelot and we see it in the distance and patsy goes it's only a model yeah love that only line in the movie patsy doesn't have any of her lines doesn't have any of her lines so good oh my god yeah so it's the only wow. line uh the song if you look there is a lego version of this out there which they released as part of a dvd they did <laughs> in uh so they've done the whole thing through like stop animation through through through, through lego so i would highly recommend it wow uh, i used to have it on this dvd i had back home and then finally at the end of the musical which is a great number and completely jarring in like this film's overall sarcastic yeah. tone is this you know uh, you know, we're next to the round table, our fill, our four midday. Boom, 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 boom. Um, they decide, let's not go to Camelot after all. It it's is a silly, a silly place. place. Um, at this point, there is a prisoner on the wall called Mark Zykon. Mark Zykon was a fan who showed up to the set one day. Terry Gilliam recalls him uh, showing up in a taxi. They needed a double for Eric Idle, and he was the right size. They gave him the job. They learned shortly after he'd be willing to perform stunts, so he began doing things no stuntman would do, says Gilliam. He is seen briefly as the, in the Camelot music sequence as the prisoner hanging on the wall. That's brilliant. Just a super fan. Yeah. So go ahead, crash a movie set, folks. You never know what it'll lead to. <laughs> Let's do it. Be willing to do things that no stuntman <laughs> will do. That sounds dangerous. Yep. Um, a slight note. I don't know where else to put it. Here's a good enough place. During one of the first screens of the film in front of a live audience, Terry Jones noticed that when music was played during the jokes, there was a marked reduction of laughter from the audience. He went back and edited the music out whenever a punchline was delivered. He then noticed people laughed more at these jokes. So he remembered to stop the music for funny parts from that point on in his career full stop that's called a musical attack when you stop the music out of so and usually it's done for two reasons number one is to shock and number two is to amuse yeah and so if you do that and then give a line the music almost indicates to you it's time to laugh now yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. it stopped for your laughter you have to fill the silence that's been created really quite clever um and then we meet god <laughs> god is a photograph of the famous 19th century english cricketer wg grace <laughs> <laughs> that's funny 
and so Arthur diverts his eyes. He goes, what are you doing? Diverting my eyes, oh, Lord. Well, stop it. <laughs> and he says, and stop with sorry all this. this and sorry sorry that. that. It's like those Psalms. They're so depressing. <laughs> and he gives like him, that line. <laughs> and he gives him the... Uh, he gives them the his the quest to go find the Grail, and they go, "Oh, good idea, Lord! Of course, it's a good idea." Does he say, "I'm God"? No, it does oh. not in the film, but in the show, it then continues. In the stage show. It is the it is the uh, real voice, isn't it? That you get the, the voice of, of God is is Eric Idle, who Eric I assume yeah, must have yeah. done it as well. And you you get him go. Of course it is. I'm God, you stupid idiot. <laughs> it just absolutely cracks me up. And so it disappears, and that's their quest to find the Grail, and we get the title card for the film, a good 35 minutes or so into the film. Monty Python and the quest for the Holy Grail. So this yep. is where I'm going to claim sort of half points, I guess. Yeah. But the film is called Monty Python and the, and the Holy Grail. So there we go. We meet the French. <laughs> they go to a French castle, and the lead Frenchie is John Cleese. I love this. Cleese, John Cleese. Uh, and there's an underwhelming trumpet blow, and it turns out the French don't need to go join them on their search because they've already got a grail. I thought that we've already got one. <laughs> he says, can we have a look? And they go, no. <laughs> no. He goes, you know, but I'm king of the English. He goes, it doesn't matter to us. He goes, who are you? I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent? To which point Galahad just goes, what are you doing in England? And which is, I think, a valid question. Yeah. To which he's told, "Mind your business." Mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets insults, and they're called knigets, which is actually pretty close. It's pretty close to how, how that word would be would be said back then. Oh, okay. It actually would be in, in, in the language. The, the, the K was not silent yet. So, in this version, it could be Todd Knack. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so, is is that like like if you? Beat your thumb at somebody during Shakespearean times was a bad thing. Is that the same thing? But calling someone a knigget? Yeah. No, it's just, no, it's just knight. Oh, oh <laughs> it's just it's just making the, none of them oh, are yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I see it now, but yeah, at the time but, it's just like, yeah. it made no sense to me. No, it's, it's, it's very much how the words written, but yeah, unless you're actually thinking of in that capacity, yeah. you might not. Uh, we get told, I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster. <laughs> and your father smelled of elderberries. Which my gal had again, very logical. goes, is there someone else up there we could talk to? <laughs> No, now go away, or I shall taunt you a second time. Bitchy lavash. Now, this is the thing where I'm going, if you, I don't want to get into a stage show thing, but if you do go see a stage show, this is what you want to see. You want to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to see someone's unique spin on this. No. This is what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Which I think is what we did, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, Fetche lavesh, uh, and Fetche lavesh means go get the cow. Yeah. And they throw a cow, man. <laughs> Then throw a cow, man. It's not Bart Simpson. It's it's this. Yeah, there's a cow. Uh, the French tactic of pelting Arthur and his knights with livestock echoes the <laughs> relatively modern legend of a medieval siege of the fortified southern French town of Car- Carcassonne? Carcassonne. 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 Sure. Carcassonne. Um, said to have been Wonderful near... board game. Oh, okay. Said to have been near starvation, the townspeople used the last of their food to, pay, to pelt the besieging army to convince them, suffering likewise, the town was well stocked with food, because for what other reason would you throw food at them? The tactic was successful and the siege was lifted. Wow. There we go. Uh, Bedivere has a plan. He wants to make a Trojan rabbit. And all we hear throughout this, we don't get to see any assembly. We just hear sounds of like saws and like power tools, <laughs> which again, anachronistic, doesn't line up. Exactly. But the whole time, we're just focused on close ups of John Cleese, who has to make these ridiculous facials. And he's amazing. He is funny. He's a great physical actor. He is. Um, and so um, they wheel up a rabbit. 
They run away. The French come and take the rabbit inside. And they go, and what's, what's, what's going to happen now? And he goes, well, at nightfall, Bedivere says, uh, Lancelot Galahad and myself will leap out of the rabbit. <laughs> and, of course, the joke is they're outside. They're not hiding in the care. rabbit. And this, of course, is a bit of a, is, is a parody of, of the uh, Trojan, Trojan horse. Trojan horse. It's like the rabbit of Troy. That's not right. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Trojan horse. Yeah. You're um, thinking of Helen of Troy. <laughs> Helen of Troy. There we are. And so uh, that doesn't work. And so Bedivere decides he wants to build a large wooden badger. And he's told <laughs> that, he's just hit in the head and told to shut up. <laughs> And then we cut to uh, like a documentary being made about the story we're watching. And it just says a famous historian. A famous historian. Now we don't say, if he's famous, can't you give his name? No. Yeah. <laughs> so when we did the promo video for spam, I remember I, I nicked this, a famous yeah, historian. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've realized we'd forgotten to give the dates in the actual script we'd done. So I'm like here, uh, friend, uh, just look at the camera and, and just say these dates, would you? <laughs> I'm a famous historian. <laughs> I'm quite proud of that. Uh, and we get told that the French taunting took Arthur by surprise, and there's a reverse zoom. It starts in Titan, zooms out. And then out of nowhere, literally out of the side of the shot, this guy in knight's costume, like full like medieval times, comes and slits the throat of the historian. You're like, <laughs> what is going on? These worlds are colliding. I'm yeah. not expecting this. And then we go back to the story. And because everything's been so absurd, you're going, well, that won't have any stakes. That's just a little funny one-off. Yeah. And we meet Sir Robin, played by Eric Idle. Uh, as part of, the, of their stained glass and interior decorations, several medieval cathedrals included illustrations of virtues and vices. The vice of cowardice was depicted as a knight running away from a rabbit. <laughs> Notre Dame in Paris had no less, no fewer than three such medallions of the killer rabbit. Wow. Nice. How about that? Yeah. At the start of the tale of Sir Robin, there's a slow camera zoom in on rocky scenery, even in the voiceovers described as the dark forest of Ewing. It's actually a still photograph of the gorge at Mount Buffalo National Park in Victoria, Australia. It was a still image filmed with candles underneath the frame to give it like a heat haze, which was a low cost okay. method of achieving a convincing location effect. And we get introduced to Robin through his minstrel, telling us how brave Sir Robin is. He's not afraid to be killed in many nasty ways. Many, many nasty ways. Two of my favorites. He's not afraid for his nostrils to be raped or his penis to be split. (laughs) Or his bottom burned off. Is his eyes gouged out and his something broken. Okay, you stop now. Yeah. (laughs) And have his body burned away. Um, so that's that's a nice little touch. And as this is going on, Dennis and his mother walk through the shot. Just because. Just because you can. Love it. Love it. Uh, and then they introduced a three-headed monster, uh, played by Terry Jones, Graham Chapman, and Michael Palin. So King Arthur's... Do, do, he, he, they're really clever just hiding him in places where you don't, I don't think at first blush, notice him as much as the others doubling up. I mean, with my face blindness, it wasn't until you pointed out that that was him. That oh, was, really? Oh, yeah. He's, I, I really struggled with that. They try not to give him too many speaking parts either. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's that... Uh, so they're bicker between them, whether they should kill him or eat him or, or have tea. tea first or what they should do. And in the middle of their bickering, Sir Robin's run away. It's the shortest of the three stories, and the song has changed. Instead of Brave Sir Robin, it's Sir Robin ran away. <laughs> and then we go, go ahead. And the whole time he's going, I did not. You lie. And said, now she's running away. Oh, he's running away. But they're, they're still riding. Like yeah. they're doing that whole fake riding the whole time. I do uh, love the fake ride. Yeah. We meet Sir Galahad, played by Michael Palin. Uh, in June of 2019, nearly 45 years after portraying Sir Galahad, Michael Palin became Sir Michael Palin. Uh, knighted by Prince William 
The nice. Duke of Cambridge is part of the 2019 New Year's Honors list. According to Sir Michael Palin, he originally had a blonde wig in mind for Galahad, but it was discarded because uh, he said it made him look like Jan Morris. I don't know who that is. No, me no. But I will say this. Galahad, of course, does wear does a blonde it, wig. In Spamalot. In Spamalot. Yeah. So that's an interesting touch that they yeah. brought that back all those years later. It's good. Um, though he was renowned as the most restrained and unflappable of the pythons, when Sir Michael Palin was asked to do a seventh take of the scene where he crawls through the mud. Now, I don't know if this is the bring out your dead oh, or if this okay. is when he's crawling up to Castle Anthrax. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. decide. Oh, okay, I see the picture. Yeah, it's a woman with crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so when he was asked to do a seventh take, he had, in his own words, a jolly good blow up. John Cleese and Graham Chapman were so astonished, they gave him a round of applause. <laughs> as they would. Um I got up my notes. There's a light over at the anthrax place. <laughs> so Galahad thinks he's seen the grail because there's something looks like a grail there. Yeah, the grail on fire. The grail on fire. So there we go. Um, oh, that the grail's grail on fire. fire. <laughs> uh, Galahad uh, gets in and he finds it at the castle anthrax, to which point she goes, it's not a very good name, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and this is where we meet Zoot. And she goes, the beds here are soft. And very big. <laughs> and so he quickly goes, I'm Sir Galahad, the chaste. Which is brilliant. <laughs> She's zoot. She goes, oh, our lives must seem quite dull. We are but eight score, uh, eight score blondes and brunettes between 16 and 19 and a half. <laughs> so, eight, so eight score means 160. Yeah, yeah. So 160 <laughs> between 16 and 19 and a half. And our lives are quite boring. We spend our days dressing undressing knitting exciting underwear <laughs> and he's still 100 percent like no i'm nope, not nope. falling for this zoot calls to the doctor and it's these two just girls in like just you know white snocks basically yeah and uh he goes they're doctors he goes well i've had the basic medical training <laughs> and the first thing they want to inspect seems to be his penis of course yeah to make sure it had been split Right. Ah, that's it. there we go so um he storms out uh he says i have to see the grail he walks into what looks like a roman baths uh he then escapes and runs into who he thinks is zoot but we're told no it's our identical twin sister inga <laughs> and he says i've seen the grail do not tempt me anymore she goes oh bad zoot naughty zoot she must have lit our grail which uh, our beacon which i just remembered is grail shaped <laughs> it's not the first time this has happened so you will have to spank her and then and then you spank me and then all the other girls go and spank me and spank me too and then after the spanking um and then donkey went and spank me <laughs> there's more options that they want to, to 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 do with them and he likes the sound of this now mm-hmm. he's up for for punishing it would seem uh I, thankfully lancelot at this point comes in uh and galahad wants to stay there he feels he's gonna be stay a bit longer so talking about staying a bit longer at one point now i feel this wasn't in the theatrical release this is a this is a extended cut that made it into the dvd uh zoot looks at the camera and goes how do you think about the scene we felt it might have been a bit too long but we're really have we're really enjoying it now yeah. and then all the other characters go get on with it get on with it Even including characters we haven't yet. met yet <laughs> So including that, we had uh, Tim the Enchanter, and for the, instance. And the bridge witch. The, the, bridge the old man from scene 24. Yeah. The, 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 the bridge keeper. Yep. Um, and, the, and the army. And the army. Yeah, yeah. get on with it. <laughs> so um, Galahad feels he can stay a bit longer. We said that. Galahad wants to go back in and face the peril. We're told, no, it's Not even too perilous. <laughs> Galahad calls Lancelot gay. That is, also, that is also not what I remember being on the original. It's weird because the stage show is different, isn't it? Because of mm-hmm. it, yeah. go, it goes off on a different tangent. 
Yeah, so this is kind of where we think the impetus. There was at one point a subplot that could have been suggested, but it got re- written out. Oh, okay. And obviously, when they when they did it, they, they teased that out much much further. Oh, okay. So we go back to the we get our, our voiceover guy from scene. And he says, "We're about to go to scene twenty four. A lovely scene with some smashing bit of acting." <laughs> Which again is this foregrounding of construction, right? Of yeah, acknowledging yeah, yeah. it's a film, acknowledging they're acting. This is all very postmodern. Um, and so. We're, <laughs> He goes, lovely acting, and there's no swallows, and the narrator then sounds like he's been killed. <laughs> uh, we're warned there's a cave and uh, much danger in the gorge of eternal peril and the bridge of death, and the bridge. And the old man who's telling him this disappears, and then they run promptly into the knights who say, knee. Knee. <laughs> I like the knights who say knee. As a kid, it was probably the, one of the ones, I, well, as a kid, as a teenager, it's one of the bits I quoted the most. Mm-hmm. We have a knights who say knee. Uh, we should say knee again. Unless you appease us. Um, they want a shrubbery. They want a shrubbery. And interesting, the idea that the word knee gets used, and it's like weaponized, and the actors actually have to sell that it hurts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you buy it, you're like, okay, great. These are the rules of the universe. Fine. The word <laughs> knee hurts them. I guess. I, I, I'm on. So you either go on board and go, I can get my head around this, or you go, no, this is too stupid. But I think if you've bought into coconuts representing horses, yes. where can't you go? Oh, I bought into the coconuts. You had a problem with knee? Just, just, well, it's all right. I like knee. It's, I, I did, but it's okay. It's some of the most. It was, a, it was a knee slapper. I have <laughs> ever had on stage was being a knight of knee. Yes. So much fun. Um, they need to get bigger shrubbery if they're ever to pass through the wood. Alive. <laughs> and we go back to the documentary crew. And we're like, oh. Because oh, the police have shown up now. Because we did see her, his like widow, like run up and go, oh, Charles, or whatever his name is. And so we go back to that too. Might have been Frank. Uh, I, sure. And then we go to Lancelot and Concord. Nice hit here because Liam, you played Lancelot, and <laughs> Georgia, you played Concord movie twice. Twice, but yeah. first time with Liam, and then yeah. later on. Um, and and my little mistake in a rehearsal, you then used on stage the second time round. Yeah, I'm yeah. not responsible for that. Yeah, yeah, because I was told I wasn't allowed to use it on the nights. Oh, are you not? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So there we are. Funny, funny. When you're on stage, Liam, here's the secret. You have all the you. control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never do that in a show I'm directing. <laughs> but once you're on there, what are they going to do? And gonna Ethan, close your ears. Are they going to come? Yeah, well, Ethan, the other way around. Like, try and keep some of the stuff the same. But, you know, when you're on, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, very true. In many ways, you just got to gotta deal with your actors when you come off stage. Yep. That's the thing. So one or two things. The situation like that was just the two of you. I'll admit, I was in a pantomime once, and we had been told, I don't want you to make that joke. <laughs> and this, oh, and this yes. lady who was brand new to doing this stuff looked at me and went, I really want to do that joke. What do you do? I said, well, let's do it. Do she goes, but, but we're told not to. I said, what are they going to do? Tackle us on stage? <laughs> <laughs> I said, if anybody asks, tell them I, I'll, I'll start it off. Just say you had to follow. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And when the audience laughs, they'll go, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, I guess. I guess. The moment that Liam is referring to is that obviously Concord gets shot in the chest with an arrow. A message for you, sir. A message for you, sir. Um, and... Uh, Lancelot then takes the arrow out to read the note and what Liam did in rehearsal is just instinctively because my hands were obviously holding this arrow put it back in my hands and it <laughs> so he like basically re-stabs Concord yeah. <laughs> and it was so so ridiculous that I was just looking at him going what and everybody happened? was laughing and they had no idea why people were laughing I was laughing at Liam everyone else was laughing at Liam Liam was looking at me like I don't, I don't get it <laughs> So I instinctively did this. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, you know, 
things that are ridiculous. Uh, we have a scene where the sun and the clouds are jumping up and down, which I just want to give a shout out to Terry Gilliam and his and his animation. It's so good. It's so much a part of Monty Python in general. Uh, maybe less so in this one than, than the other films and, and even like Monty Python's Flying Circus and whatnot, but still really good. Yeah. And the clouds and the sun are jumping up and down. He's, oi, oi, get out of here. And they disappear. He, the, because the person doing the drawing for the book of the film messes up on his yeah. writing because they're jumping up and yeah, down. Yeah, that's the yeah. deal. Yeah, so there we go. Um, and so we have a great mini sketch between Herbert, played by Terry Jones, and his father, Michael Palin. And he's the king of, the father's the king of Camp Castle Swamp. <laughs> but he's trying to sort of uh, create a bigger kingdom for his son. But all Herbert wants to do is sing. And he goes to sing. And his dad's aware of the underscoring. and can hear yeah. it. And looks at the camera and says, no, none of that. None of that. No singing. And he looks at the camera. And I'm like, oh, this is clever now. Okay, you're aware of this sort of convention. Because usually in films, they start singing. And we go, just pretend like they're speaking, I guess. It's just yeah, another yeah. way of expressing. So he stops that. Um and so he goes, but I, but I don't want to marry Princess Lucky. And he goes, what's wrong with her? She's beautiful. She's rich. She's got huge tracks of land. <laughs> I always thought it was a funny joke. So Just funny. the timing, the pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, admittedly, I found that funny. There we go. Uh, and then we have uh, John Cleese's favorite scene. He was asked what his favorite scene in the film was, and it was the scene of stay here and make sure he doesn't leave. <laughs> Which I thought this one for me, it this was is clever. for me, this is the hit for me, this is the hit you over the head too many times. Joke. Oh, really? I, I think was... as I've aged, I appreciate it more. I I, I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I thought I that was clever. Like I thought this was one note, and maybe they played it straight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Completely straight, and that's what was now, funny about it. The other guy in this one, George, is Graham Chapman. The guy who doesn't speak and just hiccups the whole time. Uh, okay. That's Graham Chapman. So they're hiding him to make yeah. numbers up, but still not letting him have big lines. Hiccups. So you, otherwise you're like, why is King Arthur over there holding yeah, the shield? Yeah. So, cause you, you automatically look at Eric Idle. That's yeah, who yeah. you look at in that scene. You do, yeah. And he's just, and so finally the, the joke being that the guard can't figure out, just stay. It's the simplest instruction. Stay here. Make sure he doesn't leave. Yeah. Until they, I come back. Until I come back. And they complicate every which way they can, including they go to leave with him and they say, can someone else go and get him? Or if he were to leave, can we go with him if he leaves? Oh, the prince. I thought you were talking about the guard. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. make much sense to me having to guard him when he's a guard. <laughs> but, um, then Herbert decides he's got a plan so he grabs a piece of paper and he writes he's trying to be all sly and we keep cutting to the guards and Eric Idle's the biggest like he doesn't care he's like all I was told was to make sure you don't leave do whatever you want yeah, yeah. but he well he just grabs the, the bow and arrow and he sort of shoots it out the window all without breaking eye contact and Eric Idle's just smiling <laughs> And this is where then we cut to the scene with um, Lancelot and Concord and Concord getting hit that scene required 20 takes wow and the second take we was, did it in one the second take <laughs> was perfect but the cameraman noticed there was a lot of smoke in the background later on while filming an annoyed Cleese quipped well was the smoke funny enough <laughs> <laughs> so Concord tip of the arrow message for you sir we've talked about that and then we get the whole farewell sweet Concord you will not have died in vain and we get the recurrence of I'm not quite I'm dead, not quite that sir. sir I think I might I think I might, I might come with, I'll come with you and the idea is no Lancelot needs to do this fueled by his bravado to go out there and his own particular and he kept fumbling the words and idiom sir idiom that one wasn't in the show idiom we don't get we got i love that one that's my favorite uh approaching the castle uh, we see princess lucky i think dad was overselling Mm -hmm. she's not beautiful no i'm sorry i'm sorry she's not typically beautiful yeah but she's not supposed to be though is she 
But we're told she's beautiful, aren't we? Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, I think that's what another running gag. Oh, maybe, yeah, is. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, several scenes were actually filmed in highly public places for gatherings, uh, sorry, with gatherings of off-camera spectators observing the filming. In many interviews, uh, John Cleese discussed Lancelot running towards the castle. They shot the scenes of Lancelot running in Hampstead Heath. Wow. Which is a park in London, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he said he had to stay on a park walkway, awaiting a visual cue to begin running across the field towards the camera, totally alone and in full costume. <laughs> he had random conversations with several passers-by who, understandably, had no idea why a man in a medieval costume holding a broadsword was doing there. <laughs> so, yeah. So he finally traverses from Hampstead Heath to Scotland. Yeah. And the funny part is, of course, you shoot him and he's like halfway there. You shoot him, he's like halfway there again. Yeah. You come back to it. So you keep cross cutting, don't you? Yeah. And now he's further back. You're like, wait, why is he getting further away? And then he's like, right, ha! He stabs him. <laughs> Which again is playing with the idea of time and distance and space. And again, another I postmodern thing. That. See, that's, you appreciate postmodernism, Liam. I do. You do. Um, and so uh, he stabs the one guard who's eating the apple. And the other one is he leaves just goes, hey <laughs> the one with the big scar on his face yeah. um he lancelot stabs the entire wedding party some flowers on the wall for good measure he goes in the room where prince herbert's being held and the guard is going now i'm not supposed, supposed to, to let you, you in the room and he gets stabbed uh and he goes oh, i've come to and he apologize and presents himself to prince herbert because the note just said i'm being held by my father in the yeah. tall so he assumes it's it's it's, it's a note from a princess and he goes oh, in i'm sorry uh he goes, oh, I'm your servant here to take you to. Oh, I'm, so, I'm terribly sorry. He goes, you got my note. He goes, I got, I got a, a note. note. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, I just waited for someone to be served. And he goes to sing. And that's what brings the father into the frame again is the threat of the song. And he goes, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Lancelot says, I thought your daughter was 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 a girl. And he goes, oh, I can understand that. Which that one doesn't play. I thought your son was a lady. Is it lady? I know it's Lady in the Stage Show. It's, I thought your son was a lady, but you just said, I thought your daughter was a girl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry I, I thought your son was a little lady. He goes, well, I can understand that. Uh, and he goes, he's come to rescue me, father. That's not That's like I carried away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes, you've killed the bride's father. Oh, you, you want to save us line? This is your line, Liam. I can't remember the line. <laughs> Well, what's changed, right? <laughs> <laughs> you actually got this one pretty good of the night. I've killed the rest father. Oh, did I? I didn't, I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. You've put a sword through his head. Oh, is he all right? Uh, his father forgives Lancelot once he finds out he's from Camelot. Dad cuts because Herbert's climbing down like this like rope of blankets he's made. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Sir Lancelot. And he cuts him and you hear him, you hear him like hit in this one. And you, you hear, you, you hear contact. You yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, they go downstairs and Lancelot gets all stabby again because they all come down. He's like, oh, see, sorry, I just lose control. And someone goes, he's just killed the fa- the, the bride's father. Or something like that. He goes, come on, this is supposed to be a happy occasion. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. <laughs> that's, if it's top five lines from Spam, uh, Spam uh, from Money Pie, uh, from Holy Grail, that's, that's easily one of them. Yeah. I love that line. It's not bicker and argue about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Princess Lucky seems okay with the death of Herbert. Yeah. Yes, Herbert just died. She, she was, was happy. She was, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, does she have like blood on her face and then oh, no yeah, blood yeah, on her yeah. face? Oh, probably. She's, she's covered in yeah. it. Yeah. And then, then, then the next scene, she hasn't. Oh, probably. <laughs> that was just funny. <laughs> Herbert's dad wants Lucky to look upon him as a real 
dad in the legally binding sense. <laughs> and he goes, oh, our father's not quite dead yet. And he goes, oh, well, he's been mortally wounded. Oh, I think he might pull through. He's getting better. <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. no. Just when it seemed he was getting better, he felt the icy cold hand. And one of his stooges has obviously just stabbed him. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> And then in walks Herbert, and he goes, oh, you're supposed to be dead. And he goes, I'm not. I was rescued. And I'll tell you. And they go, he's going to tell. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. This song is cut, unfortunately. Um, it was originally planned that he would complete his song once he returns to court. Jones, who played Herbert, regrets they never got the full song caught on film. Uh, I don't know because the dad would have hated that. Yeah, Although yeah, there is yeah. something funny about the song going, and they, like it's choreographed. Like Princess Lucky's there doing the dance moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're not very good, but they're still <laughs> dance moves. And uh, King uh, Sir Lancelot tries to like swing out. I like that bit, and he can't get there quite quite alone. And he asks for someone <laughs> to give him a push. push. <laughs> and we cut from there, and we're back to King Arthur. Oh, and he and Bedivere are bullying some old woman about a shrubbery. <laughs> and the woman called Old Crone, played by B. Duffel, dies before the film comes out. Oh, I know. That's sad. See, like people think the word knee is just something you can throw around. It killed her. It, kill- ah! it killed her. Yeah. Um, That's sad. And Roger the Shrubber comes in, and this is this is bad exposition, but it's done intentionally <laughs> bad. It's even bad for shrubbers such as I in times like this. Oh, what poor times! I am a Roger the Shrubber. I sell, I create, sell, and design, arrange, design, and sell shrubberies. <laughs> And it's just great because it's it's like bad exposition, but they're purposely like leaning into it, yeah. and it makes it absurd. Um, so they they bring the shrubbery. I mean, there's like instant push. There's one terrible shot. Oh, it really just like, it was really out of focus. Yeah. I'm it like, was. you couldn't have just cut sooner. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah, I, I don't know. But they, they then do like a, like a push wipe, and then we go back. We've traveled in time back to or in space over to the Knights Who Say Knee. They want another shrubbery. That's how you because they're no longer really the Knights like Who Say Knee. We are now the Knights Who Say Eki 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 Bakang. Oops, boing. <laughs> That's spam a lot. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's much shorter. It's, it's just eki, 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 bakang, bakang. Whoops, it boing. <laughs> um, and so uh, they want to, they also want them to cut down the mightiest tree in the forest with a herring. A herring. They say it can't be done. This triggers the nice who say knee because just like they have a word that can hurt, they have a word that can hurt them. And it is the word it. It. Yeah. And if you pay attention, I believe they don't. I think they say the word it once in the opening sequence, uh, but that's it. It is, yeah. it is really good. Yeah. It, it, it is really well. It ah. is really well written. Ah. <laughs> I've said it. Now I've said it again. Oh, I've said it three times. Ah. <laughs> um, the whole team reunites via animation. There was much rejoicing. Yay. Uh, winter Ooh. got cold and they ate Robin's minstrels and there was much rejoicing. Yay. Yeah. And this is the other it's idea. enthusiastic yay that time. This is the other idea with um, postmodernism is that things are relative and morality is relative. So like we hear cannibalism, we'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. But in a movie like this, we go, it's comedy, it's funny, it's animation. We go, oh, they ate him. That's funny. <laughs> it just makes me think of Robin sitting in a cinema with a bag of chocolate minstrels. Uh, <laughs> minstrels for people not from here are a form of chocolate uh, counter type things like Smarties yeah. but kind of like a Smartie a Smarties like, like an M&M but yeah Americans are Smarties and they are single dancing aren't they yeah it's kind of like a junior mint without the mint yeah yeah that's the best way I can put it it's just yeah. chocolate in the middle chocolate in the middle with like a crispy shell yeah 
Oh, is it Christmas? No, just Stein May yeah. through oh, okay. winter. Okay, so maybe not like a junior, somewhere between them. Yeah, somewhere between an M and M and a junior mint without mint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there going, uh, okay, they, they're going to make mince meat out of me. Oh. Uh, um, and then we meet Tim the Enchanter, as played by John Cleese. Lots of fireworks, lots of fireworks. And he goes, "I am an enchanter." And what name do you go by? There are, there are those who call, call me. me- Tim. Tim. <laughs> now, people think this is an ad lib, and people couldn't be more wrong. Oh, okay. Why would this be an ad lib? This is obviously a punchline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not that he couldn't think of something. It's that Tim's the word because it, it's such an. Because it builds you up. Such and an then you give like the most. And apologies for your name's Tim, but it's a very boring, middle of the road kind of name, isn't it? What would have been funny if they did like multiple takes and he was going, Trevor. John, yeah, somehow. Like yeah, sure. Tim. But he's Tim. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's obviously. Uh, and just so. Um, Cleese disputes this during a 2018 tour. He said there was no improvisation in the final movie, I guess, save for that one line that we talked about. Yeah. As John Cleese, uh, he, the pinnacle he stands on when he's in the distance and he's firing things, he described it as such. On one side, there was a drop that could have killed me. On the other was a drop that could have maimed me. <laughs> to make matters worse, the wind kept threatening to push him over either side. Between takes, he would crouch down to avoid being pushed over by the wind. The whole experience was remembers being very frightening, but he did it anyway because he knew what kind of budget and timelines they they had to work with wow why don't they give that extra to do that that's far away enough that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> surely someone else can wear maybe ram horns on yeah. your head come he's on not wandered into shot by that <laughs> maybe he's a bit of a no i'll do it it's me yeah 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 um he agrees to take arthur and company to the cave of kyra banog uh, but he says but w- i warn you no man has fought with the beast who lives there and lived death awaits you with nasty big pointy teeth at which point Arthur turns around and goes, what an eccentric performance. <laughs> so again, foregrounding the idea, but these are actors, right? And then yeah, he's, yeah. you know, he could have gone, why did John choose this? <laughs> um, we get to the rabbit of Kyra Banog and King Arthur's like, I'm going to go really in. I like how they dismount. Yeah, they actually get off after getting off horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. just like the turn horses their are, bums the, to the audience. Because the horses like all like, the, the, the coconuts all like yeah. go like uh, arrhythmic. Is that a word? Sure. Arrhythmic. And he goes, oh, the horses are scared. We better go by on foot. So they get <laughs> off and they walk up. And he goes to one of the guys, keep me covered. And he goes, with what? Which is a great question because keep me covered would be like if you have a gun. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't keep him covered with a broadsword from 40 <laughs> feet away. Because just keep me. Um, you know what? I have seen this film probably 50 times. I have never picked up on that joke. Oh, okay. really? Not once. I think it's one of those films that every time you watch it, you pick something something else else up and there's something else that you're paying attention to or or whatever the case might be. Because they don't hit it hard. They don't like... If there's like an Adam Sandler movie, he'd like wink and look at the camera and go, keep me covered with what? You know what I mean? Um, So it turns out the beast is a rabbit. Everyone is laughing and then it kills boars. (laughs) Say a little bleeder. (laughs) Say a little bleeder. More rabbits do coming up. Um... (laughs) They charge the rabbit, and it kills several of them. We also get the shot of Robin, and it's the shot of Robin looking scared is the one from the book at the start of the film. Yeah. It's that shot of him underneath, a, from the perspective of the rabbit. Yeah. yeah There's great. a lot of from perspective of the rabbit, and I'm going, Well, you have to, because you, you don't you don't want to show the rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is several years before Jaws. That's what I mean, yeah, this yeah. This is 75. Jaws is 78, 79? Uh, 70, no, it's earlier than that. 76? Probably, yeah. But still... After 75? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Arthur asks how many are dead, and we're told so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Oh, so five. Nope, three, sir. And this is where we 75. start the five, three. 75 is this, or 75 is Jaws as well? 
Yeah, Jaws as well. Okay, so they, oh, they, they okay. wouldn't have known it though. So that yeah. interesting. Yeah, two killer monsters, both shot from point of view shots. Wow! Everybody remembers Spielberg. Not enough people are giving Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam their uh, their their dues. They um, it. Tim, the whole time they're getting killed, is just laughing at them in the back. Oh, it's just the wee bunny rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell them, but, but, but they, they never, never listen. listen. <laughs> uh, in the scene where the knights are combating the rabbit of Kyrbanog, a real white rabbit was used, switched with puppets for the killings. I was going to say you saw the puppet. Yeah, it was oh, very much when it's attacking them, you can tell. It was covered with red liquid to simulate blood, though the rabbit's owner did not want the animal dirty and was kept unaware. The liquid was difficult to remove from the fur. He also stated he thought that they, having been more experienced in filmmaking, just bought their own rabbit rather than borrowed one. Which is a great point. Why, why do you borrow? I'll buy one and then you just donate it to a yeah. farm or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Who wants a free rabbit? <laughs> Someone will take a that. Red free rabbit. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the rabbit himself was unharmed and the rabbit bite effects were done by a special puppetry by both Gilliam and uh, um, SFX technician John Horton. Cool. And instead, now they go, well, we still have the holy hand grenade, right? So they get out the holy hand grenade. One of my favorite little bits in the film where they kind of take the mick out of the Bible, which <laughs> guess what? If you like this, they got a sequel coming, which is going <laughs> to yeah. do this times 100. Um, but we get Book of Armaments. Love it. Chapter two versus like two to 29, which basically ends with bless this thy holy hand grenade that with it thou mayest blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy in mercy, my mercy. <laughs> who be naughty in my sight. Shall snuff, snuff it. it. <laughs> and, and they kill the rabbit. <laughs> uh, and so Brother Maynard, they go into the cave of Byronog. Uh, and um, Brother Maynard reads the last words of Joseph of Arimathea and carved in the rock. It says, you may find the Holy Grail in the castle of... Uh, uh. To which Brother Maynard thinks, well, he must have died while carving it. And they go, well, no, he wouldn't have died. He just have died. It was, only, was the one saying maybe he was dictating? Maybe he was dictating. <laughs> And then Bedivere goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. And Lance goes, no, ah, ah, ah back of the back throat. Of the throat. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, ooh, is in surprise and alarm. And they turn around, and there's an animated monster chasing them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> so they run, so they, they've been replaced now in animated form for this long, for this like sequence of them being chased by this monster. But as the narrator tells us, at which point the narrator had a fatal heart attack yeah, and died. died. <laughs> so the cartoon peril was no more. But do you think that was due to costs as well? Like, gone right, we need this scene to happen. Oh, we can't do that. I think. Let's animate it. I hear you. Maybe. I, I, I can't say c- conclusively no. I think it's. They're known for their animation. It's probably the greatest, like, bait and switch. It's yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, it was said that Terry Gilliam remembers not being able to figure out a way to get the knights away from the Black Beast of Og. Killing the animator, Gilliam, who plays the animator, f- suffers a fatal heart attack, was just as logical as anything else he could think of. Love oh, it. Okay. So we go. The police show up at the rabbit's death scene. Uh, they cross the bridge of death, and we get the old man from scene 24, who they refer to as it's the old man from scene 24, <laughs> 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 which means they're now aware of the voiceover that was describing what they did earlier. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we're told they have to answer three questions. Robin is asked to go first, but he goes, I have an idea. Lancelot, why don't you go first? <laughs> and he goes, he's like, yes, I will take him. Single. No, no, just go answer the questions. He's like, all right. Um, day this was day one of filming was it was okay. the scene played with problems i talked about this off at the start after an extended uh, trek into the glencoe hills the crew's only on sync camera sheared its gears as a result they couldn't capture any audio oh. so they went okay let's just shoot the shots crossing the bridge of death all we can get is the shots them crossing that's all we can get 
Uh, Graham Chapman suffered from his delirium, delirium tremens from a side effect of his alcoholism and froze while trying to cross the bridge of death. So he had to be doubled by first assistant director Jerry Harrison on the bridge <laughs> from the distance shots there. Uh, the first That's one crazy. to Lancelot we get. What is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? So Lancelot to see the grail blue. All right. Off you go. <laughs> and this is funny because again we're expecting terror the bridge of death it's yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a whole ridley Riddles, yeah. you know she answer me these questions three i hear you the other side easy <laughs> and like oh it's gonna be and then at which point robin like the rest of us goes oh that's easy <laughs> so he's the, the gatekeeper goes through all the same questions he's like nodding along going oh the other side yeah i get you what's your name is sir robin of camelot what is your question i seek the grail what is the capital of Assyria? <laughs> goes, what, what? I don't know. Ah! He flies down the other side. Uh, Galahad and goes up, and he's less smug. He gets the same three questions, but the one that gets him is, what's your favorite color? He can't decide. Blue. No. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's yellow. I've gone back and looked. I think he's changing it to yellow. Uh, okay. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Off he goes. And then finally, Arthur. And he goes, what is your name? King Arthur of the Britons. What is your quest? I seek the grail. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> what do you mean? African or European? What? What? I don't I know, know that. <laughs> ah! I loved that. That was a bit that made me laugh. And that is a callback to the very first skit. That's yeah, yeah. why I liked it yeah. so much, because it's a callback. This thing that you think is going to be absolutely nothing is like the crucial, you think, part of the plot. Because arguably, this is the climax of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's asked by Bedivere, how do you know so much about swallows? And he goes, well, you have to know these things being king, you know. <laughs> That's a, all right. Uh, Terry Gilliam dies more than any other actor in this movie. With a grand total of four deaths. He played the, the, the Green Knight. He played Boars. He played the Animator. And he plays the Bridge Keeper. <laughs> uh, anybody want to guess who has no deaths in this movie? John Cleese. John Cleese does not die in this movie. Yeah. Neither does Terry Jones, who plays Patsy. And also Herbert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he almost dies. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that is it. So then we go to, uh, do I have it ready? Oh, maybe I don't. I thought I did. Oh. And then we're back. And so they cross the uh, the bridge of death, and they can't find Lancelot. And because we get this great cut shot, he's being arrested. (laughs) And the two worlds are fully being interspersed now. And what I loved about this scene is John Cleese is so tall. He's a tall man. That he's lent, like, almost all the way forward. Yeah, Yeah. he's like. Like almost horizontal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because um, the car's small. He's tall. (laughs) It's just this police on the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then. Arthur and Bedivere hear the call of the Grail, and they get up there, and it's this great majestic music. It's a beautiful boat, oh, which I think I think was boat. made by Terry G- Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Um, and they're all really impressed with it. That's, that's what I'd be. That's, that's a really good looking boat. Mm-hmm. I wonder what happened to that boat. I have no. They got a boat, and yeah, well, it wasn't really going fast. <laughs> you think they're on their flippy floppies? Uh, they might have been. They get to the castle, and they think they finally made it. And surprise, surprise, it's the French from earlier in the film. Yeah. And it's a good thing Lancelot's not here because here's John Cleese again, back as the Frenchman. Yep. We French have outwitted you again, stupid persons. Uh, and um, they go to attack them. They get a bunch of poo, I think, dropped on them, and a sheep thrown at them. A <laughs> sheep. 
Uh, it was really supposed to be a, a stuff sheep flung at King Arthur in the end scene. They didn't have a stuff sheep, but the assistant director, no word of a lie, found a dead sheep along the side of the road to work one day. <laughs> oh. They used that. Terry Gilliam recalls how awful it smelled and how ecstatic the props master was to fix the dead sheep so they could use it on film. <laughs> oh. I think uh, today is no that. way. Health and safety, it. there's no way you that happens. You get away with that at all. No. But a bit of a Wild West time, wasn't it? Mm, it was. Uh, Fun times, though, wasn't it? I think so. Like This is all do-it-yourself. What can you shoot yeah. for the cheapest amount possible? Um, so after an unsuccessful charge, which point the poop's getting dropped on him, and Arthur does better for... Just ignore them. Uh, <laughs> Arthur calls on his army. Where have they been the whole movie? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Across, who knows? <laughs> they march on out. Um, it's made up of 175 students from a local universities shot from various angles to make it seem like there are more from Scotland's University of Sterling. Apologies. Yeah, I've been to Sterling. Have you? Yeah, it's that's the big, place. That's the big battle scene in uh, Braveheart, wasn't it? Battle Sterling. Of, ba- yeah, Battle of Bannockburn. And it was also... Um, it's also Battle of Sterling. Yeah, yeah, Battle of Sterling. Yep. But it's also got um, uh, the William Wallace Monument. Yes. Oh, it's great. That's where he dies, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He gets captured or something like that. Yeah. Uh, according to a casting call sent to the school by the production, each student was paid two pounds sterling hey, and got free transportation, food, and an abundance of crazy antics for a single day's work. Two but pounds. what? But what a day. To say, yep. to say I'm there. I wonder what two pounds was in 1975. Not much. Not much more. No. What, 20 quid? Yeah, probably. That, yeah. But tw- if someone said to be 20 quid, you'd be part of this. I don't know who's a big deal right now. If they said Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie are getting back together and shooting a movie. Yeah, yeah. you do. 20 quid standing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please. Where do yeah. I go? Uh, and so um, they, everybody charges and just as they get ready to come across to the to the body of water to get across, which has now gone from deep to like super shallow. You can walk through it. You <laughs> yeah. don't need the boats. And they walk back. They don't need the boat anymore. Uh, the police cars cut them off. And they arrest Arthur, and they arrest Bedivere, and they take away someone's shield, and they literally put their hand over the camera and stop the movie, and we hear the music from the intermission as end credit music with no credits and just a black screen. I love it. Uh, And it came about because it didn't have the budget for a large battle sequence at the end. (laughs) By the fourth or fifth version of the screenplay, the story was complete, and the cast joked that the grail was never retrieved would be a a big letdown and a great anticlimax, because that's what you're expecting. Everything we know about film says this needs to end with the grail. It's called the Holy Grail. The grail needs to come into it. We never actually see the grail. Mm-mm. Uh, there's a black screen and intermission music, and and that's really it. So I wanted to know when you first saw this, if you remember, what was your? It, I was convinced something. I was I was like outraged in like a good way, but I was I was proper outraged. I was because I was proper frustrated. This is designed to be a frustrating ending. <laughs> I don't think I sat through the whole thing. Oh, okay, because I don't remember that. Okay. I just laughed did and you? laughed and laughed. Okay, because yeah. I did not appreciate it. I think now I very much would. At the time, I was like, no, you owe me an ending. That's not an ending. Yeah, I guess. I, I gave you two hours. And this is what I, I still, I, I loved the individual scenes, but I thought overall was like, ah, oh, stupid. It ends in a bad way. I think I'd probably been exposed to a little bit more postmodernism. At probably, yeah. 16, it's, it's, it's more, it's more so of a I, thing I now. I found, yeah. it, found it wasn't such an outrage. It was just brilliant. Ellie, today, thoughts? I found it really frustrating. Okay. <laughs> I think it's great. I think if you watch it a second time, and if you watch it with someone who doesn't know what's coming, it's like a great. <laughs> it's a great anticlimax. It's 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 a green golf ball. It is a green golf ball. So there we go. <laughs> I'd have loved to have watched it with Ellie. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is worth mentioning just uh, some of the, the legacy of it. In 2005, the film was, of course, adapted into a Tony Award-winning musical called Spamalot, which Spamalot. I did see as well. 
before I got to be in it. I did see it. I oh, have wow. not seen it. And was really, I, I, I was really afraid it would both be an exact replica of, of the film, which I didn't want. I was also afraid it would be too different from the original. So you want that and it manages movie. to balance oh, it. Oh, it's, it's, it's perfect. So, it is. If you're so a fan good. of Holy Grail as a film, I would strongly encourage you to go see Spam a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. And even if you didn't take care for the film that much, I think the musical's still accessible. Like There's a reason why yeah, Spam a lot yeah. was a smash hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere it was played and won all the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Um, Written primarily by Eric Idle, the show has more of an overarching plot and leaves out certain portions of the movie due to difficulties in rendering certain effects on stage. Nonetheless, many of the jokes in the film are present in the show. Uh, they did lose a legal case to Mark Forster, the film's producer, over royalties from Spamalot, so they owed £800,000 in legal fees and back royalties to Forstatter, which meant they went ahead and did like a Monty Python live at the O2 for a couple nights to pay their bill. Oh, yeah. They did. I mean, that's, yeah. that's fair, isn't it? It's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of, we need a bunch of money quick. Let's put on a show. Yeah. Done. Brilliant. All right, pay them off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so this actually means that all those people who also produced, all those musicians who helped fund the original thing are still getting royalty payments now. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, Elton John, uh, the guys from Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd still getting cuts. Oh. So even, even even when we did it, some of the money that we obviously yeah. did, as well as part of it going to Eric Idle, a small portion, maybe a few pennies, made their way across to the guys from Pink Floyd and Genesis and all That's that. That's crazy. Cool. That is good. Uh, in May 2018, it was announced that 20th Century Fox had greenlit a film adaptation of the musical. Wow. That's going to be hard to do without the original Python cast. That's just mm. weird. It's just imp- it's, a film it's about the musical, which was about the film. Yeah. yeah. It's the most postmodern thing I can it think is, of. isn't it? Yep. If they, don't, right. if they do it and they don't put a nod in it cast, to the fact You've got to cast perfectly. Yeah. And you can't try and do anything new. No. No. I'll, I'll jump in for Concord again if yeah. anyone needs Idol will write the screenplay. Who we've had? I've exchanged tweets with Eric Idol. You Maybe he's up for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and stage director Casey Nicola will direct. Filming was to be in early 2019, but of course the pandemic uh, slowed that down. Oh, sorry, 2019. It was delayed due to the acquisition of 20th Century Fox by the Walt Disney Company. On January 6, 2020, it was announced that it'll move instead to Paramount Pictures and will begin pre-production. I imagine that has been stalled with the pandemic, yeah. but spam a lot's too big. Mm. People want to see. People want to see. I was really hoping they'd do like a, a musical about like, like a Brian because they, did, be they did, did a live stage show called He's Not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. And I was like, do it as a film, and then <sighs> and, and they didn't. Or sorry, no, do do it as a full out musical because that's what I wanted. Yeah, like spam a lot, and and they didn't do it. And I was like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> but so I be, I'm, I'm very interested. I would like to see this stuff live on in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be good to have, even if it's just like. Um, if it was like what Disney Plus did with Hamilton, where they just recorded a performance yeah, yeah. and put it on stage, that would be uh, and, be perfect. And, and put that on. That's yeah. exactly what I want. That's what I want. I don't want them putting it back in in the great outdoors because I've seen that. It was it was the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'll watch it no matter what. Maybe I'll sit here and go. Maybe it's a crossover. Our friends did a musical podcast, but <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I'll go. Oh, I really liked it after all. I wasn't thinking I was going to like a film, a, a pure film version of it. But maybe, maybe, maybe it's good. I don't know. Who knows. Um, the movie made its American television debut in on CBS in the late movie in February 1977. The Pythons were unhappy because it was heavily edited uh, to take away the profanity and some graphic elements. So they took back control of their American television rights and sold them to PBS. Now, PBS is public television, but it has to be self-funding. So like, imagine the BBC, but without a TV license. 
Oh, okay. So they have to petition people to give them money so they can run the station. Yeah. yeah. But as a result, you get creative freedom. Oh, okay. Because it's not a network broadcast. It's mm-hmm. it's supported by 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 the viewers. So yeah, it yeah, yeah. it's sort of independent of those rights. For the people. Yeah. And then later for commercial syndication resulted in largely unedited television showings of this movie, including the version that was taped, <laughs> bootlegged, and given to me all those years ago. <laughs> it was selected in 2011 as the second best comedy of all time in the ABC special Best in Film, The Greatest Movies of Our Time. In the UK, readers of Total Film Magazine in 2000 ranked it the fifth greatest comedy film of all time. A similar poll of Channel 4 viewers in 2006 placed its sixth. Uh, according to the Pythons, one question that was asked most in the promotional tour for this movie was what their next movie would be. When asked the question while screening the movie in Paris, Eric Idle jokingly answered by saying, Jesus Christ, lust for glory. <laughs> However, the joke stuck and inspired Monty Python's next movie, Monty Python's <laughs> Life of Brian in 1979. Brilliant. And that was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. This <laughs> makes me happy. It's so good. I have a feeling it's very much two sides on this one. I think it's I don't know, much in the middle. Uh, Liam, we do need a random word, though, buddy. Um, knee. <laughs> knee. <laughs> totally fine. It's probably the most random of the random words. So I'll make sure I'm hitting the right button here. We're in the end game now. We're in the end game now, and the N stands for knee. There we are. Knee. So, um, awards, not really. No. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. Not that I can find. No, I mean, oh, okay. all the stuff after the fact. Uh, maybe it's something out there that I've missed. I don't know if I'm, I hope I checked. I, don't, I think I did. Um, the money, though, made for $0.4 million. Made for $0.4 million. What do we That's think? That's crazy. It made. Keep in mind, film, film economics are very different in the 70s. Yeah. So, made for four tenths, $400,000. So, on the cheap. What do you think it makes? Um, I take, the, take it isn't what it's made up until now. It's just what it made. What it made in theatrical, theatrical releasings release. okay. at yeah, the yeah. time. Yeah. 17 and a half million. 17 and a half, Georgia? I was only going to go like two. Two and Ellie? One and a half. Georgia wins. It's five. Wow. Five million. It was actually the uh, highest grossing British made film exhibited in the US in 1975. So it tells you kind of what film dynamics and, 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 and economies were like at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whose story is it? I mean, this is the part where you can't, you can't take this one too seriously. It's, it's, it's a collection of skits, isn't it? Yep. It's Arthur's story? I mean, technically. Maybe it's our story? Who knows? I think it's the mm-hmm. rabbit's story. The rabbit's story? <laughs> it's the the sw- historian's story. It's the swallow's uh, You could argue it's a bit of a, yeah. his, his wife's story. Yeah. Her, her cry <laughs> for justice justice um yeah the swallow story maybe <laughs> um what is the story here oh i don't really know uh, uh actually you know, you know what the story is here the story isn't what's happening on the screen the story is the expectations it places upon you and then has yeah. fun at at subverting those yeah true. because this movie's all about making you want something and then taking that away and then making you go does this anger me or does it amuse me that you've just disrupted me yeah <laughs> yeah and it happens with a lot of the jokes and then it happens with the overall kind of pot of a story because the story is designed to have no payoff and we don't like that yeah true we don't like that at all and it comes out of nowhere we're like what now if you look back there's breadcrumbs but there's no way you're thinking the cop cars are gonna stop that at all um should we go with oh, here's one the role of women georgia and ellie you want to talk about the role of women in the film <laughs> oh my god <laughs> abysmal it's not great it, i love that there's i love the witch she's brilliant 
And I love that she kind of goes, yeah, you got me. Like, because there's been at least some logic into burning her, but it's not great, though. Oh, sorry, the witch. I totally forgot. What are you talking about? Yeah, the witch, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. witch trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, kind of booth. Uh, Castle Anthrax is just a bit vile for role of women, now, really, Castle isn't Am- it? Now, it is, supposed it to is be built there, against it? these medieval things where, you know, the chaste is put up against the most temptation yeah, yeah. you could imagine. So I, I wonder if because it's Arthurian legend... If you can forgive some of that, but nonetheless, it does present it on the screen. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it takes what looks like it's a male fantasy and then presents it against, you know, he's the chaste. But unlike in the end, we expect him to be true to the end. But as soon as they say, you know, after the spankings come the oral sex, he's all of a sudden going, oh, I can stay for that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's funny because we're going, he'd been so established as one thing. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, and now he's like, even when when Lancelot was like, oh, let me have a little peril. (laughs) (laughs) So I I hear you. I, I... I mean, and there, there just isn't a massive role for women. Like we were just saying that you guys have had no. main roles in the, even in the thingy show. There is one Spamalot's female. not a good, f- it's not a good show for women. To I mean, say, I miss the Lady of the Lake in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is one female role and it's the Lady of the Lake. She actually appears. Which is the biggest change between the two. And I think when I said to you, I was really mm-hmm. worried about how those two, sh- how a stage show would yeah, be different. Yeah. The Lady of the Lake was the thing that gives it and such a new life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I've like I've said. I mean, I ended up playing Concord, who is supposed to be a male person and uh, male person, male horse. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but um, so there is different bits and pieces, but there isn't much at all. I tell you, the role of women's absent is what it is. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't think the women are presented necessarily poorly. I hear what you're saying about, but we have the old crone. We have um, I Castle, quite like the old crone. <laughs> we have Castle Anthrax, and we have um, Connie Booth, the witch. And if you want to argue with it, we've got Dennis's mother, who's not really a woman. And um, um, the one to be married off to her. Oh, Princess Lucky. And yeah. some random women at the things. Yeah, yeah. But they're largely absent. It's a bit of a boy's story. Now, I, I'm... Nothing wrong with it being a boy's Arthur story. Arthur and his nice little round table, I got news for you, they were dudes. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because we have... I'm not saying this is a great example of comedy, but every generation has their group. We had the in-betweeners. Mm-hmm. right and this other, as long as you can have room where you can have the female version of that same story or or, or something similar we don't have to not everything has to be equal, perfectly balanced. equally distributed yeah. as long as the industry as a whole gives you a more equal distribution yeah, yeah, yeah. so i love mm-hmm. i love the dynamics of this story i love the idea that you know the women were there as a temptation in castle anthrax because i hate to say in that regard they're a plot device but a plot device i'm okay with because they weren't designed to ever be anything more they're not no. main characters you don't get told that they're anything more than that they are just a plot device yeah, yeah. so as weird as that sounds I'm really okay with it. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Uh, I am curious. Oh, I brought this up and then forgot, and now I remembered it. I'm very thankful for this. Which Python do you think played the most parts in this film? I well, I think you're led to believe is Cleese, isn't it? Okay, that's who I see. So Cleese is your. He's he's the one I noticed the most okay. watching it. Face blindness. I've not got a clue who's who. Yeah, for Georgia, she's like, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean it wasn't a cast of hundreds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely couldn't tell you, Ellie. Um, Eric Idle, no, Michael Palin. Wow, Michael Palin. So he plays Sir Galahad the Chase. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. He plays one third of the three headed monster. He plays Herbert's father. So there's three. <laughs> <laughs> he plays twelve. He plays one of the. He plays one of the guys in the mud. Oh, he's one of the guys who's like, bring out your daddy. He's just like ah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you know, there's there's eventually if you add them all up, you get to twelve. 
Oh, okay. So yeah, so he plays the most of the. Mo- I would have said John Cleese. Yeah, he would absolutely have been my bet because he's he's got everything. John Cleese does is really high profile. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Michael Palin's a random villager, as is John Cleese in the in the you know the witch scene. The witch scene. Yeah. yeah. So such is. Oh, he's Dennis. Oh, he is. Yeah. yeah. So such is. Um, love Dennis. I love Michael Palin's parts. It seems like, and I love John Cleese and Michael Palin are are Python to me. Eric yeah. Idle as well. Yeah, yeah, the other yeah, three, yeah, I'm kind of take or leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is before he did like travel logs. Michael Palin pull to pull. I don't mind them. No, they're great. They're great. And the Himalayas. And all. He's an intelligent guy as well. Oh, very. Apparently, within the Python group, there was a battle between the Cambridge lot and the Oxford lot. Well, there would be, wouldn't there? <laughs> but there was like rivalry. But the Cambridge ones thought they were a little. So within them, I think the Oxford lot thought they were a bit more like. <laughs> working class if you will <laughs> <laughs> nobody speaks for the everyman like oxford graduates mm. now here and if you're outside of the uk i mean you need to realize that you know cambridge and oxford is the two most prestigious universities in the country yeah and generally two to get the into in them, the world to be fair in the world yeah. yeah and to get into them you pretty much have to have been down a, a life of privilege from the moment you started for the most there are exceptions there are exceptions my, my school set, set, set one yeah. student our first ever student to cambridge or oxford so you know it is happening but it's it's still i think the facts are still if you belong to one of four um it's six forms the royals go it's those sorts of things four six forms in the united kingdom yeah. send as many students to oxbridge as the rest of the country combined yeah so it still is if you're from one of those four and like two of them are private you know what i mean one of them's eaten one of them something else yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i think one of them's um well we talk off mike <laughs> oh, okay yeah it's something that you, that you definitely be aware of um so let's take a look here uh people's favorite character or or if you want to go acting performance you can do that instead but you know maybe character or character however um, it's hard because there's not big main uh, ones if you want to do like yeah. a top two three i don't really care but liam would uh, a, a quick like, a quick three list i like i like the witch because i like connie booth okay and i've always liked her um i i like john cleese as lancelot because obviously i played lancelot yeah um uh, push. Oh, I can't think of anything else. Okay, that's all right. Georgia. I really like the Knights of Knee. I really like the. Oh, I had a list and it's just completely gone. Come back to me. Okay. Ellie? I like Bedivere. I don't need a chocolate three. Really? Bedivere? He's like. I, I, I yeah. like boring Bedivere He's in my, my head. It's my least favorite. Uh, if I had three, it's interesting how you do seem to link with the ones that you've done. In, honestly, it's really weird. But I always did. Maybe it's the, also the one reason why the ones I went for as well, though. Yeah. I really like Dennis. Cause that's a great scene. I really like uh, Sir Robin because I think he's funny. Yeah, I also kind of relate to the coward. I think <laughs> I'm probably more likely to run away from battle than run run into it. You probably are more of a run into it, aren't you? I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably a bit more flight than fight. And uh, I think you have to kind of like King Arthur. I do like King yeah. Arthur. Because um, the because the movie tells you to as well. Yeah. It's King. It, 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 it's his story, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. Tim the Enchanter. Tim the Enchanter. Yeah, absolutely. Tim the Enchanter. That's just saying. I mean, the great little bits to it. Um, I guess next that's up to best moment, best element, best skit, maybe. Uh, my favorite bit was the silence. Was the what? Uh, the silence <laughs> at the witch bit. So if I were to do like favorite skit, you're doing the witch skit? Or yeah, you- yeah, the okay. witch skit. Because I remember seeing um, 
Eric Idle yep. bite down on the thing. Yeah. And I could see him losing it. Oh, okay. And I remember it when I first watched it, him, and I thought, is he losing it? He uh, must be losing never it. Never paid attention. Like I'm so, I'm such someone who pays attention to the one the camera says him. So the whole time I'm just watching, please. See, I do a lot of watching other characters. Uh, like when, I, when I'm, when I'm at a stage show, I watch everybody, but uh, yeah. it's weird. I, I'm such a slave to watching who the camera tells me to watch for the oh, most part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. I like so, the silence, the like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I love the mudslinging scene with all of the different moistened bint bits. Like that mm-hmm. absolute Dennis. So scene. Dennis is scene. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, you've help, help. Heard, I'm being re- repressed. Heard me and all cackling that. while okay, we were yeah. just going over it because it it that just makes fun. me so. It's just so good. It's weigh so the same stupid. As a duck, though. Sorry. Um, I don't weigh the same as a duck. No, so I'm oh, okay. not a witch. It's okay. okay. Um, Ellie, you can make hackle then. Um, my favourite scene I already mentioned is the swallows call back at the at the bridge. Okay. Um, but um, I think my favourite element overall has to be the music. They did take a fair bit of this off of just already, but the, you still have to go through it, choose it, and go with the right music for the right part. So yeah, like I think some of the loss of the castle anthrax, I think that was like basically purchased. Yeah, I think a fair amount of that budget probably went to musical rights. Well, they had people buying who's musicians that were buying into the film. So yeah, that makes sense. Know. That makes sense. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll go for a favorite scene and then a, an appreciation. And uh, so my, my favorite scene is the witch scene. It is mm-hmm. honorable mention to to Dennis. I think that's that's another cracking scene. My honorable mention would be the French Frenchy scene. And it's never as big on that one. I do you like that one? Um, I will then go. Uh, my appreciation is it's really hard to shoot outside. Mm. it's really really hard to shoot outside because i've tried to do some shooting even recently where you know the the clouds move two bits (laughs) and your scenes don't look like they're shot on the same day at all (laughs) and so there's such a and if it's raining you come back tomorrow you know what i mean like you can't just you have to work around it and in scotland of all places Mm. jeez so and yet they give us something that for the most part and you can't mic anything out it's really hard to mic stuff outside too so a lot of the audio would have to be done in post so the idea that this had to have been a labor, an absolute labor of love, and they believed in what they were doing, and for like no, no money, you know, they're going home and they're you know back to the hotel and hoping they can get a bath at night. That's about as much as it gets. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Grumble, Liam. I just don't always get the humor. I, I, my brain goes, yeah, that's supposed to be funny, but I don't find it funny. Um, there are bits where I go, yeah, yeah, um, but I don't. Unlike unlike you and Georgia, who really find things funny, I sat here and watched it with you two, and you two are laughing out loud. Um, some bits made me laugh, but they were the only bits that I remember doing on the stage show. Okay, um, that I had callbacks to different things that made me laugh. Um, but other than that, yeah, my okay. grumble is I just don't get it. Just don't get it. No. Georgia, I genuinely can't think of one. Really, okay. it's one of those films where I'm going. I don't. I mean, there's that one out of focus. Shot. That's all I've got. Right. Ellie. Well, I have lots, but um, <laughs> I mean, probably the biggest one would be like how blur the ending is. Like, it just it just left me a bit. What was the point? And like, very very similar feelings to Liam, really. Okay, uh, my turn. Uh, I've got. If I had to, if I absolutely had to, I'd say I think all the external shooting does result in in, in some things, which are at times it doesn't look as pretty as it could, or sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I mean, the cinematography is not ambitious. 
it, it does what it needs to do. Really, Castle Anthrax was really weird when they shot uh, the like Roman bath scene where they were they were, like shot her. No, when they first gets in the in the castle, they shot the women from underneath, mm-hmm. like really underneath, which is interesting. I just kind of went. Maybe you can tell it's two different guys. Yeah, running the show. Maybe it didn't have one single fingerprint on it. But but to be fair, for first time directors, I quite liked the um like when the opening scenes when they're on the uh, doing the coconuts yeah. and they're shot upwards. Yeah. You know, certain scenes. I, lo- I, I can appreciate that they had no understanding. Yeah. And they were just finding their feet. Um, I like the rawness of that. Yeah. Um, but I just don't get the humor. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's about it. I mean, yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm at as far as that goes. So uh, let's go ahead and is this anybody's best role? Forget best role ever. Is this the best Python movie ever? No. You like Life of Brian better than this? I do. See, I used to say Life of Brian was better than this. I'm reversing my vote. I had way more fun watching this than I had watching Life of Brian. I think I enjoy this more. I said to you before, Life of Brian didn't do it for me either. And Meaning of Life, meaning of life, is, meaning of life is, is just a series of skits. No, I've like not, there's I've very little like themes tie together, but the characters don't go from one sketch to the next. Oh, okay. So it's really difficult. Really, really difficult. Um, so what's the meaning of the film? I uh, would be that would be to jump ahead. I uh, probably worth a view at some point uh, after Life of Brian. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that I think that's Marmite. I mean, it really is. I remember the first time I watched, I mean, in life I went, this is stupid, like uh, really oh, stupid. Okay, yeah. I'd have the appreciation I did for the for the first two. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah. So that would be uh, that. I guess. I mean, is it anybody's best role ever? I like John Cleese and Michael Palin both better in A Fish Called Wanda. I do. Yeah. I also so. quite like I mean clock. Work clockwise, clockwise, clock something. Okay, something clock. I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> clockwise, I want to say. That's <laughs> something I watched many years ago. He plays a teacher, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know, something like that. I'm trying to think. Eric Idle. Okay, Eric Idle's better in Life of Brian. That's because Life of Brian's his movie. Yeah, he's Brian. So, um, I'm trying to think what else he was in. He's been in some stuff, but nothing yeah. that jumps out at me at the top of my head. And the other ones, not really. No, no, no. Nothing jumps out of me. So uh, it's that time. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? And thanks to Moonlight Social for our little age game ditty there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Ellie, what do we got today? Um, I'm going to take a bit of a liberty this week, and I'm going to do the age game differently. Okay. Um, I'd like you to tell me who you think was the youngest and the oldest member of the main crew. Okay. Not not crew, main cast, um, and how old do you think they were? Oh wow! Okay. I don't know who's who, so can we can name, you give me some so cast people? Name, Arthur, name Bedivere, characters. Robin, Galahad, Lancelot, and Patsy. Okay. I think Pat. Well, Patsy looks the oldest. So I'm going to go, Patsy's the oldest. I'm gonna How old do you think? Th- oh, I think he's, this is where it gets all turned around on me. I think he's 36. Anybody else want to go with, with, with their oldest? Or? I think Arthur's the oldest. Okay. And I think he's old? probably 34. Mm, no, I think uh, Gillian. Gilliam. Okay. I think he's the oldest. I think he's going to be... Patsy. Yeah, yeah, same one. Yeah, I think he's going to be 34. Okay. Okay, and the youngest? I'm going to go with Eric Idle. It's, 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 it's a two-way race. Hang on. 
I'm going to turn back on that. I guess Palin. I think it's Palin. I guess Palin. I think Palin's 28. I think he's younger. I think he's 25. Uh, I'm going to go with whoever it is that plays Galahad. Palin. Okay, yeah. And I think he's probably about 26. So, um, Galahad and Robin are both the youngest. They're, they're the same age, but okay. they are 32. Wow. Oh. Actually, yeah. 28. Okay, I feel pretty good. I was close to on that um, And then... Um, the oldest is actually John Cleese, Lancelot, who's 36. Um, Patsy is 35. Oh, close then. Oh. But um, does explain, I, to a degree, John Cleese seems to have the, like, he's the head of the Python crowd, it seems mm, to feel. Yeah. He's a driving yeah. force, and that the age might help with that. Yeah, I thought I did the age game differently, because they're all basically the same age. Yeah, like, I was sitting here when I was thrown <laughs> to you going, they're all really close. I was like, this is going to be really, really dull to That's go right. through all oh, six I, of, I like, and who do you that. separate? Well, like, it was it was quick, though, so we'll, that, <laughs> thank you, Ellie, for the age game. Uh, Georgia, what do we have for critics while I look up the other ones? There's quite a list for, for mine this week, so what do you got? Uh, so I have got uh, Michael Willingman, Will, Wilmington from the Chicago Tribune, who said, an incredibly silly film of great humour, brilliant design and epic insanity, and gave it three and a half out of four. I've got David Kerr from the Chicago Reader. I think we're just a Chicago topic this week. Yep. Uh, he said, silly, uh, sophomoric and slapped together, but would you want it any other way? Which, I, yeah, no, I love it. Okay. I love that it's all a bit meh. Um, and then I couldn't find our good friend Roger Ebert um, because he didn't do a review on this one, it seems. He did one on Life of Brian, but not on um, Holy Grail. He might not have been in post in 75. No, quite possibly yeah. not. Um, but then I've got, so I've got instead uh, Richard Schnickel from the uh, Time magazine who says, Grail is as funny as a movie can get, but it's also a tough-minded picture, as outraged about the human propensity for violence as it is outrageous in its attack on that propensity, which I just really like. I'm like, yeah, I like that there's uh, someone else's thought really deep into this, and I don't think it probably is as deep as it is. I don't think it does that at all. I, I think, think it's it a farce. Does. I think it's a farce, but I like that someone went, it's got meaning okay. <laughs> no it hasn't <laughs> let's go to our critics uh i asked is it a great film a good film an okay film or a bad film where do we think people placed it great film mm, no okay yeah it's interesting because you guys are wearing your own opinions on your yeah. sleeves i think yeah. <laughs> 55.6 call it a great film hey, wow. a further 20 percent called it a good film so over three quarters of the votes would call this great or good Nice. With then 22% called it an okay film and 2% called it a bad film. Wow. Ellie, you're not supposed to vote on these. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at what some people said. So, uh, hey, 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 Mr. Postman. It's hey, Russell. Hey, hey, Russell. Said, uh, my first ever exposure to Monty Python, the world of Camelot, and my night to the round table is a silly place. But that's precisely why I love it. It's still their best film for me. I love that you can see Terry Gilliam's distinctive directing style coming through in many shots. I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about Terry Gilliam's direction outside of this. Uh, I didn't follow his career. Dr. Paracus. The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah, that one. Heath Ledger's last film. Uh bandits uh time bandits yes i thought you say bmx bandits <laughs> no, time, time bandits, bandits is him yes that's him isn't i it? borrowed it from someone once and never watched it yeah um what else is him don't know i can they're the only ones i can think of at the moment uh friend of the podcast Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. It's an excellent pick, Georgia. I have loved MP, I think that's Monty Python, uh, since I saw the Spanish Inquisition as a child. <laughs> Nobody expe expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, Holy Grail is my absolute favorite. It's using all these short forms. Uh, it's hilarious and so quotable. You can say neat and everyone knows. So many scenes split to mind. I have seen the stage show too, and it just builds on the film. Uh, SWO Production says great doesn't even begin to cover it. It's one of the most ingenious comedies of all time and maybe the single most quotable. 
Uh, let's talk about this podcast as the Black Knights, one of my favorite scenes ever. And that's from Sean. Uh, Griff from the Paul and Griff Show say, very funny comedy. Who doesn't love the Black Knigget? Well, he's a knight, but I'm just changing it. <laughs> and the Knights who say me, they don't make them like they used to. Fair shout on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lestat said, not their best. There's a shock. Lestat him <laughs> with a hot take. <laughs> but still a fantastic movie. Great sketches and some absolute banging memorable lines. A rare, iconic, influential film that actually holds up to its hype unlike nolan batman movies which suck well thank you for taking us to a hard right turn i'm gonna take us back to julene 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 monty python was okay i got my yucks i probably wouldn't have chosen it on my own but glad i had a friend in high school that was obsessed because we had some great laughs i deserve a medal for deciphering some of these short forms people are using because <laughs> i'm like you had a friend in his what the heck is his <laughs> oh it's high school okay uh, um it's a musical podcast i'm assuming danny uh, i remember getting my mom to this for her birthday on dvd nothing like giving your mom a presence for you <laughs> when i was 13 we then got the chance to sit and watch it and i loved it the camelot song is great and i love the lego version on the special features there we go uh further says i was just, just a flesh wound and we'll call it a draw are two of my favorite lines and i love the black knight we didn't really talk about our favorite line does anybody have one right off a hop uh there's so many yeah uh help help i'm being repressed um or, you know, you can't expect to go hold an executive I power. I got better. Turn me into noon, I got better. You can expect to hold to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. <laughs> um, haven't seen it, said. I remember my 11-year-old dork friends extensively describing what happened in the movie long before I saw it, then actually seeing it. Your, your name is haven't seen it. You realize this, right? And then said, <laughs> you actually saw it. And being absolutely gobsmacked, they weren't exaggerating at all. Hilarious, iconic movie. I still make the Pai Jisu Domine reference. Mm-hmm. P.A. Uh, Jesu. Oh, P.A. Jesu Domine. Thank you. Uh, my, my Latin's a bit rusty. Uh, so <laughs> Wizard Podcast says, it's hilarious. I have no idea why my parents rented this for us to watch when I was pretty young, but I'm glad they did. Dwayne Smith seems to have the answer. He went, you have awesome parents. <laughs> Cult Connection says, I love it. Castle Anthrax, Watery Tarts, Runaway, etc." Uh, it says your mother was a hamster. Your father smelt of elderberries. Shoot the flick. It says it's still one of the funniest films. I could throw it on now and still cry laughing. And kids, what are we watching tonight? First time I watched it with a mate, we ended up rewatching the Black Knight scene four times. Could not stop <laughs> laughing at it. I remember I was a kid. It's probably one of your favorite scenes as well. Just the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> so that's what they thought. The question now is, and I think it's going to be very two and two here today. <laughs> what oh, yes. did we think of it? Liam, why don't you go ahead? Well, no surprise surprises here i didn't really enjoy that much i enjoyed it more because of the fact that i'd been in the musical um i love the rawness actually the rawness of the shooting um and the fact they weren't given really much of a budget so they had to rethink out the box yep um you surprised me with the whole um scripted stick to it yeah no ad-libs i, I really thought this would have been a lot more loosey-goosey yeah 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 i tell you i tell you did. so then you can see the ad-libbing happens with things like how long they wait that that, that line to wait that's what you can play with isn't yeah, it yeah yeah but anyway i'm talking over your sort of verdict no, you're fine you're fine um i'm gonna go for i really didn't like it um i can appreciate it as a british uh part of our institution of comedy so i'm gonna give it six coconut horses Okay. 
six. I'll write down that. Six. Yeah, yeah. I've predicted people's grades. I'm just curious. <laughs> Was I anywhere near? I'll tell you at the end. Georgia. No, okay. I really struggled with this because I don't know where to go with it. I don't know where to put my vote because I do really enjoy it and I enjoyed it even more watching it again this time than I remember enjoying it. So it was difficult to pick and I really don't know what to do with it. Uh, do you want to come back to you? Yeah, come back okay. to me. Ellie? Um, so I I did a, I appreciated the cinematography actually of this. There wasn't anything in it that made me go, oh my God, this is so low budget and crap. Like I think it's just of its time and actually it's pretty good for its time. Um, I've tried not to let it sway me too much that I already knew all of the funny lines um, and therefore didn't laugh. But like I said, I think the delivery of them perhaps was what it was like. So I do appreciate the scripting in a way, but it re- I really didn't enjoy watching it at all. Like I didn't, I just didn't like it. Well, there's um, a shock. So- <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's no Kung Fu Karate Kid, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised because I do enjoy spam a lot, a lot, but, and big, a lot of it, it was because of the lines, but no. Um, so I've given it five and a half. Okay. George, do you have one yet? I'm trying to decide whether I prefer this to Princess Bride or whether I like it the same. Oh, wow. So I'm pretty sure I gave this a nine and a half. Verified Bride, Nine and a half. Jeez. Um, <sighs> Come back to you and go. <laughs> I don't want to give it a 10, but I want to give it a 10. But I don't want to give it a 10. But I can't think of anything wrong with it. Okay, is this, the question is, is this one of the greatest handful of movies, in your opinion, ever made? If that's the case, then I think a 10 is warranted. If it's not, then I think you got to find out, well, what's that thing that's holding it back from being classified as such? I think because it... I think because it is low budget and because it, it, there is a few dodgy scenes and a few dodgy shots in it, it's not going to get a 10 just because it isn't perfect. So 10 would mean it was perfect. No, a 10 just means it's, it hits all the notes that something has to hit. But then I should have given Princess Bride a 10. I, 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 you've had more <laughs> opportunities to do whatever. It's not about perfection. My issue with The Dark Knight wasn't there was one dodgy shot. My issue was they didn't need to go to Hong Kong. There was a whole subplot it didn't yeah. need. So that's why I knocked down the nine and a half because it was an element that wasn't necessary. Nobody likes haven't... Batman in Hong Kong. Nobody likes Batman anywhere. <laughs> I haven't given any 10s out, so I'm just reluctant. Fuck it, it's a 10. I'm giving it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my go. My go. Leo's predicting something. Uh, you're wrong. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I really struggle with two numbers between this one. I've decided to go with the higher of a two. Okay. In the end. Uh, this is independent film. It's weird. I'm going to make the second com- comparison to Jay Salahi and, uh, and, um, um, North of Pie. But the idea being is to go out there and, and go ahead and shoot it and do it and make use of what you have and outside is free. And the story, there's not really a story. No. There's not, no. I don't think it's pretending it has to be a story. For what it is, it's a great example of a collection of scenes. I would have liked, I mean, Sir Robin's scene, Sir Robin's story is very small. He got scared, he ran away. That's all he is. Yeah. I think it builds it up to be more. I think Lancelot's overstays its welcome ever so slightly. I think Galahad's also overstays its welcome ever so slightly. Uh, for a 90-minute film, that's saying something, I think. That being said, it's infinitely quotable. It makes me happy. Um, I do appreciate all the postmodern references. I like the fact that it play. And once you watch it once, you're in on the joke. So I think it's got rewatchability on that side, especially if you watch it with someone or talk about with someone who hasn't seen it before. That's always great too. I am going to give this. No one else gave any like sort of fun thing at the end. You just gave it a number. 
I did. Oh, did you? Coconut horses. I because oh. I was just stuck. six coconut horses. Okay, I'm giving it nine severed limbs out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was struggling between eight and a half and nine. Okay, so just for the sake of arguments, Liam, I had you at a six. Oh wow! I had Georgia at a nine. Fair. I had Elliot five and a half. Wow. So yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got two of you really well. I did not see Georgia going to a 10 on this, but, uh, you know, I didn't know she'd rate it. Honestly, I didn't know she rated it this highly. Even, even, even even with the comments. Neither did I, to be fair. Because we went through the Muppets and the Muppets didn't get there. How did the Muppets not get? <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we went to the Princess Bride, and I thought, you know, this would this would beat those. Sorry, this wouldn't beat those necessarily. Oh, I don't know if it does or not. You've got about three minutes because I'm about to say what we're doing next. Ah! So, you're, here's the deal: I'm not talking you out of anything. No, I know, no, I know you're not. But I'm going. I why di- I can't remember why I didn't give tens to. But obviously, Muppet when you said you you, you knew you gave this not. So here's my question: You knew that you gave Princess Bride nine and a half, and you yeah. still went uh, expletive. I'm giving it a ten, <laughs> which means in that moment you must have gone. This is a better movie than Princess Bride for some reason. I don't know. Okay, I, I can't do this for you. This is the side that you've got to actually go ahead and, and come up with. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about what we're doing next week, okay? Ooh. And by the time that's done, we need a final thing from you. Okay. Okay? So next week, it's my pick. Yeah. So my pick, Hot Film Summer continues. Hot Film Summer. I, I'm actually doing a bit, of a, uh, a, bit of a, a bit of an emotional one, actually, I'm going to choose on this one here. Uh, I'm going to do something that's got a bit of personal meaning to me. And we've actually got a special guest coming on the pod as well next week. A little bit of nepotism, even. Oh, my, my sister is going to join us in the pod next week. Wow. Oh, we are going to do steel magnolias. Wow. Have you seen that before? Oh, yes. You, oh, this makes me so happy. Because you asked me before, you said, um, well, I like it. And I said, yes. And I'm thinking he's got no idea why I've said that. But I think it's the kind of movie that would resonate with you. It did. Uh, it's a film that's got some emotional meaning. And I'm going to talk about it next week. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go ahead of it this week. I'm gonna go ahead and talk oh, about it next week. But amazing. Steel Magnolias, I've already got the research done. Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm ready for this. So Roll of Women. I was thinking about <laughs> choosing this. Soon. Were you? Okay, yeah. So Roll yeah. Roll of Women. It is my wild card. I don't think it's in the poster. It definitely doesn't qualify. Should we swap it next week and be Roll of Men? Because <laughs> you know there's not much. There isn't. And that's and you know what? I'm gonna say it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. That's the thing. So okay. I said today it's okay when you have a story that's primarily about men. Next yeah, week, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a film primarily about women, and it's cool. Oh, what a stellar cast, though. So, yeah. So, if you've not seen it before, uh, Sally Field, Olympia Dukakis, um, uh, Shirley MacLaine, Julia Roberts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's a, a Tom Skerritt. Yes. So, it's a huge cast. Um, it is a story about largely about women and the lives of women, but I would definitely say, don't let that scare you away. If you haven't seen it, I would absolutely say, I know film podcasts tend to skew towards male centric films. I really would go give this a watch. Absolutely. I think there's something, I think you want to be in on the conversation. You want to be in on the conversation on this one next week. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to talk about some things you want to be in. And heck, if you're, if you're a fan of the podcast, do me a favor. Yeah. Watch, watch Steel Magnolias because I'm going to be sharing some. If you like to serve with love because the personal stories, I mean, it, it might be a little bit more of that vein to a degree next week as well. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and tackle that. My sister's already started watching. She sent me some screen caps the other day. Oh. So she's getting ready. I did go, you know, you got nine days left, right? You don't have to. She's like, I want to watch a couple times. I'm like, all right, that's totally fair. I, I get it. The she's going to be on a podcast. I get it. Yeah. So that'll be quite, quite, well, quite I love that so too. much about her, but never. Oh, never there we go. There we go. So, so yeah. Kirstie's so, great. My sister yeah. coming on the pod. So, uh, Georgia, do we have a number for you? Nine and a half. 
Nine and a half? Okay. The you ten- said that so quietly. <laughs> now, the benefit is you <laughs> do me, have... Let me just say, like, earlier that was... <laughs> Fuck it, 10, 10, <laughs> 10, 10. This time I was like, um, nine and a half. Almost afraid. She was almost afraid to like release her hands from in front of her face to say it. Now, the benefit is you do have the ability at the besties at the end yeah. to raise anything you anything that we've done this year. Isn't it only one, though? Up. Yeah, it's just one. Yeah. But this could be your choice. So if she sits back and goes, no, no, I really do think it's a 10, she can always make that decision at that point. Ooh, so I can raise Greece again. You can. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I will pressure you so much on the resties to drop it again. <laughs> so I will say this. In closing, we were asked actually uh by someone, hey, if we wanted to buy you a pizza, if we wanted to whatever, can we do that? And I said, No, I don't have anything set up. I have set something up actually. If you go to our link tree, if you wanted to for some instance go, have a pizza on me, or get yourself a cup of coffee, or hey, whatever here's five dollars go next round of drinks is on me you have to be able to do that if you go to our link tree there is a paypal sort of link up there that's uh, cool by all means go ahead and cool. give us if, if it's something that you want to do i'm not here asking for anybody for anything but people have asked us if they can do that for us and my answer is if it's something you really really want to do a it's incredibly kind You're thank very you kind if you do yeah. thank you but secondly there is a there is an option to do that now and so i i summer vacation i had a little bit of time so i thought okay i can set this up so have set that up if you're so inclined by all means go ahead and do it i'm not asking for it. i'm just saying that it's available to you yeah. i just thought i'd make that known um so uh, next week please join us for steel magnolias uh oh, we've also got the uh mailbag i've been sitting on steel magnolias for about eight months now wow. yeah because i had to do grease first didn't i yeah, you <laughs> i've yet to well i'll explain why next week but yeah oh, okay. <laughs> so we've got that um check out the mailbag check out the notebook check out jay salahi and our interview with him check out all the news coming out Such of the pod we've got a couple of big announcements i think coming up in the next few weeks so definitely and these guys are gonna find out what one of them is really really shortly so so that'll be fun too. I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about all this. I thought Kirsty coming on the podcast was the exciting announcement. No, it's not that. <gasps> yeah, there's more. Oh, there's more. So, Amazing. So please join us on the BFE for all the stuff we got coming out over the next few weeks. Ethan and I even have a plan for maybe a little side project Ooh. as well. Yeah, so there's lots of stuff coming out. So with that in mind, uh, please join us next week when we tackle Steel Magnolias. Yeah. And I I, I'm going to tell her, I still, you need to remember, I talk the most. Don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your sister. <laughs> I'm going to talk over you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, 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 I, I am the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, for best film ever, I've been Ian. I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Georgia. And we are no longer the pod that does what says in the tin. We are now the pod that says, Ecky, 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 Bacang. boing. And we'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop. That's then, interesting because I'm the complete. Oh, at least the complete. We're quivering with anticipation. We had do 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 do. Um. Oh, where's latest? I need to go for that. This is great audio. I will. Oh no! What have you done? <laughs> this is all going to be cut. <laughs> so I went with. Oh, did I put the, the hashtag on it? Maybe I put the hashtag on it afterwards. No, that's not it. What have I done? Is this Dakota? <laughs> There's a mistake. <laughs> I think I'm
Audio profile. This is embarrassing.